Hello everybody, this is a new week of the Fast Travel Lounge. We're on episode 47 now. Um, everyone's uh, kind of gone and done their own thing for a little bit. So this week, just to make sure we have an episode uh, coming out and not missing another dead week, um, I've brought in a couple of my friends to uh, help cover the seats. So would everyone like to introduce themselves real quick? Uh, sure, uh, I'm Dong Dong Never Die, but you, can, you guys can just call me Didi for short. Um, I've been by many names, but uh, you know me usually as Kaiser, so I'll stick with that. Uh, and I am uh, Shinki. Alright, cool. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting week because I think this is the first time any of you guys have done a podcast format thing before. Is that right? Sure is. Yeah. Yep, never been on a podcast before. Perfect. This is just what I like. Um so yeah, usually what we do at this point is um, we just kind of go into rounds of the lounge. So um, I'll start off so everyone can kind of get an idea of what this format is. Um, so this week I've been playing a lot of Bayonetta 3 since it came out two days ago. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through that now, I think. So I'm just going to be talking about that for quite a while this week. Uh, what, about, uh, what about you, Shinky? What have you been up to lately? Uh, recently, I just played a game called um, City Shrouded in Darkness. So, uh, literally started it earlier today and finished it. It's about, took me about six hours, so. Oh, nice. Nice, short and sweet game. Yeah. Uh, Didi, how about you? Uh, what I've been doing recently, I recently bought Killing Floor 2, and it's basically just COD Zombies, except as a full game and not just tacked on to Call of Duty. So I've been enjoying that and trying to finish Xenogears, which is probably the most batshit crazy PS1 game I've ever played. Yeah, uh, the, the Xeno games have a long, long storied for, uh, history from what I've gathered. I've only played the Chronicles games. Even then, I think I've only played Chronicles 1. Yeah, Chronicles 1 is nothing compared to Xenogears. Xenogears is stupid, but I, it's in all of the right ways. And Kaiser, how about you? Um, so I realized that the uh, God of War Ragnarok's coming out in like two weeks. Um, so I kind of stopped ignoring the main quest in Horizon Forbidden West and actually got around to finishing it earlier today. Oh, nice. Just get it out of the way to free up some space for God of War. Yeah, well, I made the assumption that uh, nothing in the main, like, nothing in the game was going to be missable if I just charged through the main story. And as far as I can tell, that was the right call. So now I can just clean things up and not worry about dropping the game when God of War releases. Nice, nice. Yeah, that, that's always a good plan. So at this point, we're going to go into what we've dubbed uh, Josh's album of the week. Um, even if he's not here, I'm going to be calling it that. This week, uh, um, uh, Shinky's sister, Trinity, is, um, uh, is the one that submitted this album for us. Uh, we'll be going over Rise of the Phoenix by Tenacious D. Does, ha, has anyone else listened to this before? Uh, this is actually my first Tenacious D album I've listened to. I've never listened to their albums before in their entirety. Really? Not even... Just um, listened to like... Oh, just singles like Tribute or Kickapoo or something? I think I've listened to Kickapoo when the movie came out and then never again. Surely so. you would have heard Tribute. Yeah, even nope. then, that's still another single. Wait, you haven't heard Tribute? Nope, I wasn't, uh, I might have seen, like, a clip of the first Tenacious D movie, and then that's it. I've never seen 
anything else. Oh, wow. You're missing out. Yeah. Dave Grohl plays the devil in that from <laughs> Foo Fighters. It, yeah. Great. And you were saying earlier as well, Kaiser, that uh, Tribute was actually the greatest song in the world for a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a chart topper, like, all over the place. Yeah, yeah I think it was too. Yeah, and that the, the video played all the time over here on MTV as well when it was new. I fondly remember seeing that for the first time. <laughs> I think it was one of the first <laughs> music videos I actually kind of paid attention to. I think, yeah, I think that was when I learned that music videos could actually tell a story instead of just being a band with, like, clips of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and even then, a lot of them are, like, still telling stories, but this is, they're, like, I don't know, cut together in weird short clips throughout the entire thing before they, like, in between intersections of showing the band just performing. Mm. While, like, while they're this telling was, a thematic story and not, like, a direct story. Yeah, while this was an actual direct story tied to the song. But yeah, to the actual album of the week, Rise of the Phoenix, um, this uh, came out uh, in... <laughs> 2000, uh, May 11, 2012, so 10 years old now. Um, real quick, does anyone that did listen have a favorite uh, song on this album? I, I did. I think I'd have to go with Low Hanging Fruit. It's, <laughs> it's so good. I, I was yeah. also thinking Low Hanging Fruits. Death Star is also yeah. very good. Yeah, Death Star is great. Death Star is cool, but I kind of like the Low Hanging Fruit because, you know, when an artist kind of just... It reminds me a lot of jazz when an artist will just babble, you know. They're not seeing real lyrics, they're just like, okay, what noises can I vocalize that'll just sound good with whatever yeah, I'm playing. Jack right Black now. knows how to do that. Yeah, that yeah, is that's I, a I, yeah. big, big moniker of Jack Black and Tenacious D songs. Yeah. Just make some sounds. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite uh track on the album. And Shinky, did you yeah. have one? It's that's it's probably my favorite one too. Well, hanging through. Oh no, Rise of the Phoenix is pretty good too. Rise of the Phoenix is pretty good, and the music video along with that is also fantastic. Where <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's a really good music video. Yeah, it's like interspicing like a lot of like what you'd expect behind the scenes things to be, but they're like <laughs> trying to make it all work into a music video. Like they're moving from oh, shot yeah. to shot. Yeah, there's green screens yeah, and, and stuff all over the place. You can just tell it's like it's supposed to be real low budget. Uh, which is funny. Yeah. And Kaiser, did you have one for this album? Uh, I have to say, uh, The Ballad of Hollywood Jack and the Rage Cage. I think just going back to the songs, yeah. songs telling just a straight up story from start to end, I'm just a fan of. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I, I thought it was really funny in that as well, that they, like, from uh, Cage's perspective, it makes uh, Jack Black sound like an, uh, an asshole, but then... Uh, as it's getting back to Jack Black's perspective, he's like a saint trying to get Cage, like, fixed up back into a Robocop sort of thing. But, like, he, he's just there for his friend. Like, the moment he got a phone call, he's just rushing to his aid. It did, yeah, it did kind of make me think, I wonder what Cage's, like, headspace was actually at when Jack Black started kind of making it big and becoming an actor. And, like, he had that period of time where he just showed up in a few different movies. Yeah, and... Yeah, it, it, he kind they kind of like came at, uh, came together in the beginning, and yeah, Jack Black just kind of took off. So you could imagine uh, Gas getting like really jealous over that. Yeah, or Oryx just exceptionally proud of his friends. Possibly just feeling a little left in the dust. Yeah, and that that song does really well highlighting that. Damn, it sounds like I should have been watching the music videos and listening to the album. 
I just yeah. listened to it straight up. Yeah, no, yeah, the music good. videos are really good. I, I haven't seen the music video for this one either. It's just what you get from the lyrics and the song itself kind of gives that painting. I, I also like that. Like, um, oh, you go uh, on, DD. Uh, it kind of feels like, um, like, uh, like the wall, right? You can enjoy the wall, but watching the music video for something like um, Blue Sky kind of, you know, enhances it to a whole other level. You know it's what I'm a saying? different feeling. Yeah. That's for sure. Definitely. I also kind of like that in this album, they intersperse a couple of um, skits into it. Like there's two skits for classical teacher and flutes and trombones. Tr- flutes and trombones yeah, just but- being a minute and a half long fart joke. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, the, uh, I don't know if you guys listen to um, uh, Starbomb, but that definitely, the, their third album they did, definitely is like the closest album I've listened to that sounds like this because... A lot of the songs are just like jokey, kind of, you know, make some video game joke songs. But they did have like a, just a random skit just placed in there and to kind of, you know, continue on with the theme, but they didn't write a song for it. And it just kind of reminded me of that, as well as, uh, oh, what's the name of the song? Giorgio in the Daft Punk's Random Access Memories album, where they just had Giorgio just kind of do a little summary of how he became a musician for like two minutes and then drop into the song i kind of like it when artists do stuff like that it makes yeah, the work de- feel a little bit more personal yeah it definitely i definitely it, it, random acts of memory is probably number one album for me just straight up so tenacious d doing something similar like that definitely i definitely appreciated that Okay, um, I'll do one quick fun fact about uh, this uh, album uh, and then we'll move on to everyone's weeks. So um, the fun facts I wanted to get into for this is kind of that they were they were planning this album for quite a while. Um, it was November 2006, they kind of like got the first song written and they had a plan to release it in 2010. But by the time 2010 came around, they only had one, one and a half songs written for the, for the album. So they got it pushed back a couple of years to actually finish it off. And they had the plan to do somewhere between 10 to 15 songs for the album. Uh, it seems like they hit at about 11 for this, 13 if you include the skits. And real, real, real quick, um, when they uh, described the song Death Star... They wanted, uh, no, no, sorry, not Death Star, um, Rise of the Phoenix. When they described Rise of the Phoenix, they wanted to have like a workout song uh, similar feeling to Eye of the Tiger. But to me, that kind of hit more with uh, To Be the Best. Like, To Be the Best kind of hit that 80s uh, hype track feel yeah, more like than a, Rise of the yeah, Phoenix. Like a montage. Yeah, yeah, a montage song. So they, they still got that feeling just in a completely different song. All right. I agree. Yeah, so that's album of the week done. Uh let's um let's let's move on to DD. DD, do you want to talk about Killing Floor for a little bit? Alright, so basically I at my new job I have uh new coworkers and sometimes we just spend around the day do doing nothing, shooting shit. And he's always trying to get people to play Killing Floor too. Same way I'm always trying to get someone to play Ultra Kill. Go play Ultra Kill. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and so, since it was $7 for the Halloween sale, bought it, gave it a shot, and it just feels like I'm playing COD Zombies, except that's the whole game. I don't have to have to deal with, like, the COD identity stapled onto it. Uh, 
it's one of those games like, oh, low price, but you know, you have your dailies and weeklies and yada yada, all that nonsense. But for I think you start out with like ten classes and they all have different unique abilities that you can respec whenever you want. So you don't have to worry about, you know, gaining currency to change out different loadouts. You can just on the fly swap whatever skills you want, unlike Fantasy Star. And the class I picked was Gunslinger. And so what you do for that class is you have two revolver base revolvers and they have piercing damage. And your whole gimmick is just, you know, having your bullets shoot through people, headshots rank up, rank up how much damage you do at the downside of your reloads taking like literally five, six seconds. Uh, So, um, is it like a campaign based game or like a wave based game? It's not campaign based. It's, Way it's wave based, objective based, and whatever weekly event Killing Floor Two has going on at the time, and it's really quick. Like when you boot up the game, the start menu starts off on the join quick match button. So you just click match. You pick whichever character you want to play as, which is just cosmetic. Pick your class, and then you're in a match with other people. And the best thing you can even play solo. You can just play by yourself if you really want to i was gonna ask yeah not too bad then sounds like it sounds like an indie game where all you get like literally you just log into the game and then press start and you're going yeah i have i've only played it for like two three days because there is an end game shop you fight you gain money and you can like gain rewards for cosmetics recycle them to make your own so i don't know how the systems that i'm experiencing now are going to look 50 60 hours down the line but where i am right now it's a pretty good just i'm gonna hop on play for like two hours and then i'm just gonna go to bed or something it's definitely one of those types of games for me right now a good good time waster yeah when you're really bored yeah it's just god zombies you know there's nothing too complex about it have you had a chance to play with any of the other uh classes each class has 15 levels so i've just been leveling up gunslinger because like okay there's some other classes that might seem interesting, like the SWAT class. You have machine guns as your main weapon. Berserker, where you mainly parry your the zombies and melee them to death. But for me, it's just like like Qual- Call of Juarez, right? Sure, you have three different playstyles, but naturally, I'm going to be dual wielding the revolvers and just fanning the hammers everywhere. Yeah, have have you played Killing Floor one before, or is Killing Floor two mm. the first time you're jumping into this? I've never even heard of Killing Floor before. I just it's like, hey, play Killing Floor too. Okay, <laughs> okay, seven dollars. Why not? Yeah, because I've put a couple of hours into Killing Floor one, and um, I've seen people play it a, a lot, but I didn't realize there was a second one um that was out. And yeah, this is this seems pretty interesting. Um, a, a lot of I, I was going to I was going to ask Black if you had played it, if you knew any of the key differences between the two games. I I know the first one was a four player um co op game, and it seems like this one got bumped up to six player. I could not tell you. I <laughs> I've just been playing with like the three people, so four you know of my coworkers. So it's like okay, you know it could be six, but as far as I know, it's four. So you said you've been playing for a couple of days and you've been playing as like one character in particular or, or one oh, I'm playing style. one class, yeah. Yeah. Because so, you can swap out whatever character you want, but still keep the same class. 
Right. So you said level 15 was like the max level. So how long does it take to level up if you haven't got maxed out already by playing? I base? am level, well, not level 15. I think it's 30. 15 is when you get your, uh, your first majorly cool ability. I'm level like 12. And I think my playtime is like three, four hours. Okay. okay that's well, not that's too bad. bad then. Yeah. It's, it's pretty quick. Yeah, I was thinking you've been playing for like two days and you're like still level like five or six. <laughs> be like, no, no, wow. no, no, no. Well, I mean like two days. I mean like two days like in total, not two days playtime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and the only other game I've been playing right now is Library of Ruina. It's a South Korean card-based card battle game where essentially you're some guy in some dystopian city. You're in this library now. You can't die. You have a couple other immortal librarians. And the whole goal is that whoever tries to come in the library to get the book with all the knowledge they'll need to succeed in life, whatever, grant their wishes, your job is to kill them and turn them into books. So the whole game is just a bunch of randomly sectioned, like a bunch of separate sequences of characters in the real world who are going through some horrible mess seize the invitation for the library, think this is your last chance to gain, you know, an upper hand, and your job as a player is to just kill them, turn them into books, put them in the library. So it's very kind of like a South Korean, if you watch any kind of South Korean film, it's depressing. So it, it, but it's, it's good. And the combat is a very hard once you get past a certain point. Uh, the community has effectively called the difficulty spike a wall, and that is 100% true. That game is absurdly hard once you get past a certain point. Oh, no, I hate when that happens. Like, you're just kind of casually enjoying something, and it's like, no, here, this, this is the part no, where no, you no, have no. to it's, actually test your skills. It's not, it's not like, oh, you're casually enjoying something. Became, because the game has, here's all the mechanics, and you know all the mechanics are there. It's just that you haven't been using them effectively, and you know in the back of your mind, okay, as I keep going, I'm using more mechanics that were taught to me, and I'm getting very afraid of when I have to use all of them. Oh, uh, right. So it's just kind of like your checkpoint of, do you actually understand the game Yeah, now? it's like, it's, it's like, um, like when you play Ego, it's like, okay, you know how to play with your friend, but do you really understand the rules? Because if you go up against someone who knows how to play, you're going to get your ass beat. And that's what Library Runa is like. Xenoblade Chronicles 3 kind of has a moment like that, I remember, when I was going through and uh, I was kind of overleveled and then I hit this boss and it just absolutely curb stomped me and I was like, oh, this is the part where I actually need to know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. yeah, for me, the first time I like took notice of a wall in a game was Monster Hunter World. It's like, once you hit the engine, <laughs> F, that's it, you actually need to actually know how your armor works and all your weapons and just kind of... Bash your head against the engine app until you actually get the um the the DPS check basically, <laughs> or the not die check. Yeah, so that's essentially been my week, other than work. So, uh, Shinky, why don't you go next? How's your week been going? Oh, uh, it's uh it's been going. Like I said, I've been sick, so um haven't had much time to do anything. So uh, I started up a game today. Um. Uh, City Shrouded in Shadow. It is basically Disaster Report. If anyone knows what that game is, it's more or less a series where you start off as just a normal person, 
going about your life, and then all of a sudden, tsunami hits, earthquake hits. I mean, it just random stuff. It is a very over the top game, um, and virtually you're just trying to survive to a point where you're being rescued or. Um, sometimes they're mo- some of them have multiple endings where you either die or you know you save somebody in the process, um, like a sacrifice. But um, this one is made by the same people. It's just a little different because instead of earthquakes, tsunamis, and whatnot, it is uh, kaiju, uh, Japanese kaiju like Godzilla, Ghidorah, Mothra. What else did they add in there? Uh, Ultraman's in there. So like literally, there's uh, tokusatsu or uh, Power Ranger based monsters fighting in the middle of the city and you're just trying to avoid dying. It's it's pretty ridiculous. It gets over the top. Yeah, um, no, I remember this game getting announced ages ago at a TGS, I think it was, and everyone all over the place was so excited for this and it just never came out to the West. It stayed Japan only. And Oh, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> that the, the, sucked the only, so much. The only way to obtain this game is through a Japanese PSN or... Uh, websites like Play Asia or something, and Play Asia is really expensive. Uh, oh, really? I never checked the price on Play Asia. The Play Asia. Uh, yeah, they're they're really expensive. Like, um, usually it's like seventy or eighty dollars for like what would be a forty dollar game over here in the states. Yeah, yeah it must have been yeah. short printed. Um, um, reminds me of a, a strange journey. The Redux, the 3DS. They had a 25th anniversary box that didn't come to America. For a pre-order, for pre-order America, it was just the game. But the box they had like five art books, twenty CDs of the soundtrack from the entire twenty-five years the franchise was out. A black box with gold ingrain, and on Play Asia, it's like four hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Even though when the box released, it was a hundred twenty, and it's like that's that's yeah, but it's more items. than triple. <laughs> Well, it's like the same. It's it's like uh, Square Enix Japan only getting uh, Crisis Core's uh, special edition or collector's edition, should I say? Um, and it, I mean, it's pretty cool, but I, I don't know if it's worth the price they're wanting for it. No, no, it's it's absurd, and it just gets more expensive every year. So I just lose even more motivation to own it. <laughs> Living in a place where Square Enix doesn't even ship to, if I want anything fancy from them, I'm paying additional shipping. Yeah, no, yeah, Square Enix is like always the worst. Theme. Square Enix is always the worst about their special editions. E- either it's Japan only or North American Square Enix website only. And it's like, guys, you have fans all over the world to do something. And it's, and even if it's North American, it's usually sold out within minutes. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> like, as soon as it's up on the page, it's usually gone. Especially yeah. if it's uh, Final Fantasy VII related. Yeah, well, that's why I'll be waiting when Final Fantasy 16, uh, when they get their collector's edition up, I'll be I'll be waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got extremely um, lucky with the Final Fantasy 15 one, or unlucky depending on your stance, <laughs> because um I I just randomly got it for a raffle. Um, I still had to pay for it. Like they were raffling off if you had the opportunity to pre-order it, and yeah, oh. I, I just kind of lucked out on that one. Imagine uh. Charlie gets the golden ticket. It's like, all right, kid, you still got to pay the entry fee. Worth like two hundred dollars. <laughs> but um, anyways, so the um game isn't bad. Like it's it's got some it's got some issues. Like they all kind of got some issues. Like your character's either too slow. Sometimes you don't make jumps. Um, 
it's got quick time events um and most games nowadays either don't have quick time events or they're you know they're not too bad nowadays yeah they've been phased um, out because around that time they were super popular yeah there's there's a lot of them in this game um but it's it's not bad it's it's the story's kind of kind of over the top you go through um literally in the first five minutes of the game you get attacked by Ultraman. Well, you think it's Ultraman, but really it's just a clone of Ultraman, and then there's another one, Ultraman, fighting him. So it's 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 really over the top, and you get to a point where this building blows up, and behind it, there's these uh, Yakuza chilling back there. They're doing some kind of deal, and you witness it, so they chase you throughout the entire game while all this crap is happening. It, like, literally is over the top and makes no sense. Like, trying to kill you while you're trying to escape the city like <laughs> so is there uh, sort of an element of humor to it or is it playing well, yeah, it all oh, right based no 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 it's it's they've they've there's always been humor in these games so like it's it's always been like like i said over the top in terms of like crazy stuff going on um with with the world and then there's always been just crazy characters throughout the throughout the story that just like adds ridiculous dialogue or something to it, like try to add humor to people getting crushed and, and, and mutilated. Um, but it, it's, it's just over the top because like literally these Yakuza guys chase you. I mean, at one point you get on a boat and they are literally still chasing you while they're on boats and Godzilla shows up in the middle of ocean and you're trying to avoid him while avoiding bullets from the Yakuza. So it's it's just too over the top. You would think um, in the middle of a kaiju attack, the Yakuza would yeah, be stopping all of their activities. Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's, that's the crazy part. Like, they, no witnesses. Yeah, yeah, you figured they would just stop. Like, no, they chase you all the way to the middle of the ocean. Um, they chase you all the way to the end where you just escape. And, like, literally the final part of the game is you either talk your way out of Yakuza killing you, or you kill them, or you escape on a helicopter. So those are your three choices. But it's it's not bad. Um, it's got a lot of cameos and, and crossovers, like um, Neon Genesis uh, Evangelion's in it. So oh, you have I remember the, the trailer that fighting. showed that. <laughs> so um, yeah, so you have the Ava units fighting. Uh, there's uh, another mobile police. Uh, Pat Labor, I believe is what it's called. It's like an old oh, Japanese. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. It's like, kind of like before, it's like... Oh, it's just everything. Yeah, it was like a, it's a precursor to like Gundam before, it was like way before Gundam. Like, it's it's really old style animes uh, and um, Kaiju, Godzilla. It just, it, got, it literally has everything. Like, and I feel like the whole reason it never released outside of Japan is because it had so, it has so many, um, there's like so many copyright things. issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's yeah. Way too much to license it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's too many licenses in game because you have like Neon Genesis, uh, you have Godzilla, Ultraman, Gamera, uh, uh, Paddlebar. Um, it just the, the list goes on from there. Like it's it's got way too many licensing issues, and I think that's the whole reason it never got out of Japan. Um, it's still a fantastic game. It. It takes about, I don't know, it took me about six hours from start to finish. 
Yeah, and you, you mentioned there was to... uh, free endings there as well. Like, just yeah, the but... ones that where you reached. Do you know if there's any other ways to reach multiple endings? I'm sure there are, because they uh, these games are big on, like, heavy collectibles. Like, I know you can save people. Like, you, there, there'll, there'll be points in the game where you can choose, like, there'll be someone hanging on, and you'll have a choice to either save the little girl or the old man. And, like, it's like, okay, which one do I choose? Well, I went with a little girl because the old man's already old. <laughs> he he lived a full life. Yeah, right. So um, I, I imagine there's probably different endings based off of who you save and what you do. Um, and like I said, there are collectibles that change stuff and uh, different costumes and outfits. Um, you can change your character's personality and stuff based off of your decisions early on in the game. So you can like literally make your character just have like low IQ throughout the whole game so they just their their they their their uh dialogue options are just absolutely wacky and make no sense. And, the low uh, nature. Yeah, like literally like one of the things you can choose at the beginning is to be like high maintenance or like low class. Um and you can get to the point where you start off and your character has a clown wig and a nose and a clown's nose. And that's what your character starts off with. It's just, it's just over the top, man. But I have to say it's, I, I would recommend people playing it. It's, it's got some. You, got you just kind of have to go out of your way to get it. Yeah. And, and if you don't um, know Japanese, you'll have to have a guide along with it. <laughs> I feel like by now, someone probably already since it's been it's been out for quite a few years. I want to say like I want to say this game came out in like 2000, ooh, 2013, 2014, something like that. It's been out a good while. So I want to say somebody has to have put up a uh, a translated guide. Yeah, yeah, translated. Okay, I think 2014 is when it was first announced. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been out a good few years. So I feel like someone's already done like some translations for it. Um, in hell, at this point, you might be able to find it just as like a simulation, put on a simulator or something. You might be able to, but uh, it's pretty easy to get on the PSN. You just make a Jap- Japanese PSN account, and you can buy uh, credits through Play Asia for fairly cheap. I think the game itself costs like. I think it costs about thirty US dollars, so it's not too terrible. Yeah, no, that's that. That's uh, that's fairly cheap. I, uh, they'll probably put it on sale every now and then as well. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But that's really about it. I've I've played that, and that's really about all I've done recently. I've been watching uh, uh, Trinity play uh, Pokemon. Legends Arceus a little bit here today, but that's about it. Okay, cool. Kaiser, do you want to do you want to take over with um at, with Horizon now? Oh, so yeah, when Horizon came out, um, as everybody well knows, it came out at like the a terrible, time. a terrible time, um, which is apparently did. just a strip. yeah, apparently just a series tradition for them. So I can't wait to see what the third one releases opposite. Um. Just like Titanfall 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people got to pick their release windows better. Yeah, Sonic's coming out a day, be- a day before God of War. I don't know if there's too much overlap in those audiences, at least. 
but like Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring both being massive, hugely anticipated open world games, and then Horizon being like massive open world game as well. Like it really didn't play well, which is why it's taken me so long to get around to playing it as well. Because of course, when Horizon came out, I completely ignored it and played Elden Ring, um, like most of the rest of us, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I, I, what was it, like 5 million people bought Elden Ring in a month? Yeah, yeah, it was big. Um, I'm being completely honest, I was I had no intention of playing Elden Ring. I didn't even see any trailers. And then the day Elden Ring came out, I was like, oh, it's out. I, I looked on the Steam page, I was like, I'll buy it, whatever. Honestly, that's what I did with the, um, the 2018 God of War remake. I was like, ah, whatever, like I've kind of stopped caring about God of War. And then release day had come out and I was like, you know what? I have the day off today anyway, so I'll just buy it and start playing it. And I absolutely loved it because I went in with no expectations. Oh man, oh man, I have words to say about God of War, but that's better left another time. <laughs> we'll wait until Ragnarok comes out. You can get it all out at once. Yeah, yeah maybe. Because it's uh, 2018's free now, I think, right? Like on most like PSN. If you if you have um, a PS5 and PlayStation Plus, you just have it for yeah. free. Yeah. Mm. So I, I need to play it, but I don't know. Like I stopped playing God of War like good while back like before well obviously before 2018 because i just felt like i knew it was i thought it was just gonna be a reboot until i i, I decided to watch the story and i was like okay it's it's not a reboot it, it's a, a gameplay <laughs> it, it's a gameplay reboot but the story continues or, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah which kind of bothers me to be honest because like I, I feel like norse gods and greek gods in the same universe is just kind of strange uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it, but I guess that's for a different time. Now, we're, we're, we're here to talk about robot dinosaurs. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it took me a while to actually get the game. I got given it um, as a birthday present um, last month, so I just sort of started working my way through. And um, I left it for a while because I expected it to just kind of be, you know, more of the first one. And I played the first one back not long after it came out i just i absolutely tore through it because i had i had the week off work um for a health related thing that was keeping me up late so i was like i'll just play a new video game a massive open world um and i remember like i kind of came around on it by the end like it's it was still a big open world but it was one of those cases of like yes but this is a good and refined one and the story was genuinely engaging so I figured eventually I'd pick up Forbidden West, and it does basically pick up exactly where Zero Dawn leaves off, um, you know, without going into the story too much. That one ends with questions unanswered and, like, who is the villain behind this villain and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so you pick up and Aloy's on a quest to figure that out, and she's got some character development to do and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I came in... You know, having been a fan of the story of the first game and expecting the next one to sort of pick it up. And I had a pretty good idea of where it was going to go. And most of my predictions were correct. Um, and for the most part, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It kind of, it gives you a whole new region. It's massive. Like, I don't know if it's the biggest open world in a game, but it felt like it sometimes. You've got new, like, tribes. You've got new robot dinosaurs to fight. Um, lots of cool set pieces along the way. But yeah, like I said, I won't go into the plot too much, but um, having recently finished it, it kind of, I don't know, I feel like it's, um, it's moving a little too far away from the robot dinosaurs for my money. 
Um, I kind of feel like that's what people wanted out of the series. Yeah, um, no, people, and that was a lot of the, like the heavy marketing for the first one was the robot dinosaurs and like the interesting part of the world. Hmm. Hey, but thankfully it wasn't your money. That's true. Yeah. So it does <laughs> does make me a lot more forgiving about things when it's not my money going towards right, it. Right. You're like, okay, it's gifted to me. I'll I'll, I'll give it a chance. So yeah. Yeah. So, so having played both, do you feel like it's a it's a substantial improvement over the first one, or is it kind of like more of the same? Continue the story a little bit, and there's like minor improvements here and there to make the game feel a little better. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where. They didn't, um, I guess it's kind of like Neo to Neo 2 in that, you know, like it's not a a revolution of the game design, it's a refinement. So they've brought in like some new mechanics, they've tweaked some things, but it still very much feels like a progression from Zero Dawn. Um, One of the main things that they did that I really appreciated was they improved melee combat. Because that really sucked. Yeah, I remember when Infamous 2 was like, yeah, uh, Melee oh, in the yeah. first game, so here's a weapon to make the second game feel better, and it actually did help quite a bit. Yeah, no, actually, that's a pretty good um, ex- um, sort of parallel to draw, I think, because it does kind of feel like that step forward, because it's still, like, the melee is still, you fight with Aloy's spear and stuff, but it adds a bunch of, like, it actually adds combos, um, it adds sort of this um, energy build-up mechanic where if you hit an enemy enough, um, then you can do a heavy attack and it, like, puts this little orb thing on them and if you shoot that, it explodes and deals a bunch of damage, which is actually, you know, quite good to try and work into combat, especially in groups of enemies, so the, uh, yeah, the melee combat was much, much better. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really get a chance to shine anywhere except against human enemies, because most of the robots, if you're close enough to be, like, Hitting them with melee, they're close enough to be like tail swiping you and flinging you halfway across the map. Yeah, I, because I, I don't play uh, Horizon, but I was watching my brother, and I can say that yeah, it does have that. There is definitely significant gameplay improvements when it comes to the melee, and mm. if I'm not mistaken, the amount of ammo you can carry was reduced from the first game because you had like your I guess that game's version of the sniper sniper rifle. So you couldn't just stock up a bunch of resources and then spam your sniper rifle ammo on you know until the whatever you're fighting is dead. You had to actually use more than one weapon in the second game. Yeah, it definitely encourages variety, especially early on. because um, it's one of the things that I didn't really like with Zero Dawn that Forbidden West keeps is like the irritating little crafting element that every open world feels the need to have so yeah you can you can craft upgrades for like literally every type of maximum ammo and they all require like animal skins and stuff which you have to go out into the world and find the animal and hunt them and then it's a random chance if they drop like the high value things that you need to craft your ammo pouch upgrade and if you craft it then you can hold like two more of this max ammo of one like weapon type and you've got like eight different weapon types so it's just it's a lot uh, of grinding and crafting yeah it's just busy work for, for not, the sake of like not a lot of payoff yeah exactly so that element i didn't appreciate coming back especially since they've got like more weapon types in this one as well, because, you know, all of that progresses and gets 
bigger and better and all of that sort of stuff, but it just kind of it brings some of that baggage with it. So that's something that I think that I, I think all open world games should like do it's away with most of the crafting stuff because yeah, all crafting, it does is add busy work. Crafting is the new loot box. <laughs> well, I, I, I think, it's, yeah. I think it's the old one that refuses to go away. Yeah, no, because it's... Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. It's, it's been around it is, for a long it, time now. It, it, it is terrible. Like, I don't know. That's why I didn't enjoy Breath of the Wild. That's why I won't be playing the new one, just because crafting and, and the fact that the weapons have durability, I just, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah the weapon, weapon durability, durability is always something. the worst one. I'm, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, even the, even the Master Sword had durability. Like, it didn't break but it lost its charge to where you couldn't use really, you just couldn't use it really. Yeah, so, I think it's uh, lost weapon damage and also lost its projectile. I, yeah, I'd be fine so if it was just, just losing the projectile, but losing the damage as well really sucked the draw yeah, out you, of it. You, you, take, you take literally the best weapon in the game, like the Master Sword, and then you nerf it. <laughs> so, no. A stick um, is yeah, I remember being game. really disappointing getting that. Yeah, and they make you do so uh, much busy work to actually get the Master Sword to, like, you, you can find it pretty easily, and there's, like, no, come back when you have enough health to actually survive picking it up. Yeah. yeah it's, it it's definitely feels like a slap in the face for the payoff, despite how much effort you have to do it. Because I think you need, like, 20 hearts in order to pick that thing up. Yeah, something like it that. Takes a while, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping that, um, it's got a name now, doesn't it? Uh, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm yeah. hoping that they improve that sort of stuff. Yeah, because Breath of the Wild was fine, but I could easily see it being improved on it. I hope that uh, Tears of the Kingdom does improve on it quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, they've got the opportunity if they've been taking the feedback in. So, Kaiser, this, uh, I, I know it wasn't your money, but this was $125 redos. Do you think that price is justified with what you played? I think if you're coming at it from one of those, like, money spent versus amount of time you'll spend on the game, yes. Like, I will admit I am the sort of person who does occasionally just want, like, a Ubisoft open world to just burn time on for a while. And if you're, like, if you're in the mood for something like that, Horizon is probably, like, the top shelf of any of those sorts of games. It actually has a good plot, good characters. The open world is, like, interesting. Fighting the robot dinosaurs is fun. Knocking off components and, like, you know, finding something massive and knocking one of its cannons off and then picking up the cannon and destroying it with it. Like, all of that is great fun. But I wouldn't have bought the game. So if somebody hadn't bought it for me, I probably wouldn't have played it. Yeah, that's, that's completely fair. Because, yeah. At, 100 and, at 125 uh, AUD these days, I'm being very careful about what I actually spend my money on. Yeah, no, 125 Australian is a lot to ask for. Yeah, God of War has me on faith from the last one, but that's probably the only one I'm buying for a while. Yeah, and I I don't think we caught it, but um, it, would you would you recommend this for people or like is it just like what you said of if you're really needing that Ubisoft open world, then go for it sort of thing, or do you think it's yeah. an overall recommendation? Look, overall, I still think it's a good game. I think once it comes down in price to something slightly more reasonable, I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, but right now, I'd be... It's a sale item. Yeah, I'd be hesitant about recommending it at full price just because, for me, 
Uh, it doesn't tick all of the boxes. Yeah, that's, that's But it was still, still a fun experience, and I will go back and play it for some post-game stuff. Basically, thank you for the birthday present. Yeah. Cheers, Mark. Alright, and I guess I'll just roll into Bayonetta 3 off that. So, um, this, this is a weird one, because I, I think this is a really, really good game, but it's, and, and it's doing a lot of things that um, you would want after playing Bayonetta 1, like uh, with the teasers of all the, um, all the demons in the first game, you actually get to use them in this one. Um, but there's, there's a lot of trade-offs between going between Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 3 that I'll have to get into. Yeah, for, first of all, I guess I'll just go with, um, I'm about three quarters of the way into the game now, I think. I'm getting pretty close to the end. The story's starting to build up to all the revelations are going to start taking place. But even at this point in the game, I'm still unlocking a lot of game mechanics. And that's really interesting to think about for this game. It's like, kind of like how in Devil May Cry 5, you didn't unlock Nero's Devil Trigger until the actual end of the game. And um, this game... exactly where my mind went. Yeah, and this game's kind of like building on that of like, no, there's going to be more and more mechanics kind of built into... Uh, will tutorialize you along the path. So early on, you kind of like unlock Bayonetta's abilities uh, to transform into like miniature versions of the demons. And then a little later, you'll unlock like four or five missions later, you'll unlock the ability to use them as the end of your uh, combo extenders. So you'll do a big flashy combo finisher and then Bayonetta will flash and you can hit a button, uh, the demon summoning button to make the, the demons come out and do an additional hit to add even more damage onto the end of your combos, which is a pretty cool system, I will admit. It's um, it's kind of alleviated my early um, complaints from the first few chapters where I was like, I kind of like this demon summoning mechanic, but at the same time, I feel like it's dragging out the, uh, the game time and the combat a little too much. Like, they're a big pace breakup because Bayonetta has to set, stand still and then you start controlling this um, very big, hefty um, demon to take out the bigger enemies. And that's also kind of like a minor complaint I have in that I feel like there's too many large-scale enemies that you have to use the um, demons for. So you're kind of losing that flow that made Bayonetta very fun to me. Yeah, get, like, a, I don't know. Go on. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, a, it's like a catch-22. It's like, okay, you make the demon summoning. Well, you need a unique enemy to make the demon summoning to put in the big enemy. But the big enemy is annoying because you have to use the demon summoning. Yeah, exactly. That and, and even then, they've reworked some older enemies to be kind of in that same caliber. So, um... It, like mission one of Bayonetta one, you fight uh, this um, I'm forgetting the name of the enemy, but it's basically like this very big uh baby faced enemy with a giant axe, and uh, you, they take a little bit of work. They they're chunky boys in the first game, but you can work around them and using which time properly you make fast work of them. But in Bayonetta three, they've kind of been reworked into being like they start making shields that can only be broken by the demons. So you kind of have to work around uh, the new mechanics to make these old enemies that used to be tolerable and fun into kind of annoying to deal with because of this new mechanic. Like DMC Dummy Cry with the color-coded enemies. Yeah, basically. Basically that. That, that, does, that sounds... That, prob that comes off as a lot more annoying than how you're describing it. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the color-coded enemies are a lot more annoying than uh, the... 
using uh, demons um, because the demons actually control well um, and it, it, when, when they're working good, um, it does feel really great to be in control of them. Well, it sounds like it's a bit sort of up and down, so I might be uh, jumping the gun a little bit to go straight to this question, but do you think that the addition of the mechanic with the demon summoning is worth like the pace breaking that sometimes comes with it? I think so. I think I think it's uh, fine for this game because Bayonetta one and to an extent two still get to exist there in their own bubble, and this does add enough to the game that it feels worthwhile, even if you don't like if you don't uh, like this compared to the other ones. Um, it's still a worthy experiment to have. Okay. Yeah. Um, adding game com- game mechanics like midway to like late game is always kind of weird, especially since you've been playing it for so long. And it just kind of like throws you into another tutorial about midway through the game, and you're just like, "What is going on here?" I don't yeah. know. I always thought it was. I thought I always thought it was weird when games did that. Um, you mentioned like, like you mentioned Devil May Cry but five with with Nero, but the fact is, is Devil May Cry five like his devil trigger was was part of the plot, so it was a little different because it was actually a plot based thing compared to just oh, here's a new mechanic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this still does a couple of them that are plot-based. Um, like, uh, some, some of them weapons, some of them power-ups. I don't want to get too into it because it's still a fairly fresh game and I don't want to spoil any big surprises. But yeah, um, there, there are story-related upgrades as well that will happen that add more mechanics. Um, but yeah, going off, <laughs> going off to Devil May Cry 5 tangent a little bit more. Um, so you spend like the first half of uh, Devil May Cry 5 for playing as uh, Nero and then the back half of it playing as Dante. Same thing happens in Devil May Cry 4. And uh, Well, in, in 5, it's even worse because you have to play as Nero. Then you cut away to V, which yeah. plays nothing like Dante yeah. or Nero. V and then you cut away to Dante again. Things. So yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah, so um, in Bayonetta 3, you play like six or seven missions in a row of Bayonetta. And then they give you um, uh, uh, Viola, who's a new character for this game. She's basically the Nero. She's supposed to be like an introductory character, which is weird to introduce her so late. Um, she's also much simpler in that she only has the one weapon compared to Bayonetta's like multitude of weapons that you can switch between. But like I, Nero and Dante. Yeah. Yep, sounds like, like a pretty easy parallel. Yep. The <laughs> problem is, um, I don't think Viola is the um the catch-all easy mode character like Nero was. She's actually a lot more difficult to get a handle of, in my opinion, because they switch out... To, um, she still has a dodge like Bayonetta does, but they switch out which time from being a dodge mechanic to being a parry mechanic. And uh, something that was uh, like really, really um, troubling me at the beginning is that uh, dodge is on right trigger and parry is on right bumper. So you're playing so much as Bayonetta where it, your instinct is an enemy is about to attack, hit right trigger to dodge and then activate which time. But no, now it's um, uh, now I've got to rewire my brain to be like, no, I need to hit right bumper to block the enemy. And even then, the, t- the timing is a lot tighter than it is with which time. So I'm taking a lot more hits with Viola than I would as Bayonetta. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird uh, um, mix between she's, she's supposed to be the beginner-friendly character, but it feels like she's more made to, for uh, people that are like really in-depth into these games. Well, it's, it sounds kind of like 
I mean, it sounds exactly like the opposite of Devil May Cry 4, because you start off as Nero and then jump into Dante. It's like vice versa with this one. You play as Bayo first, and then you jump into Viola later. Yeah, I was going to say, getting her later. Yeah, getting her later makes makes it a little weird, Um, because you start off as Nero in Devil May Cry 4, and you're just used to playing him until you get Dante. And then, and you, then jump you get into, the freedom. Yeah, once you jump into Dante, you're like, okay, he plays exactly like he does through Devil May Cry 1 through 3. So it's like nothing's changed with him other than... Um, Style uh, switching and his movement. Yeah, the, well, the fact that you can use... Uh, what is uh, Nero's uh, hand? Devil Bringer? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. 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 The, being able to uh, use it to get to extended heights that Dante can't reach. So at that point, you're like, okay, I've lost, the, I've lost some movement, but... I'm 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 okay because I know how to play this character. <laughs> yeah, and and that's why it's so weird to me because um, once you unlock her, they start twisting around the formula where it's like, so every chap like major chunk of the game is broken up into three stages. After the first set of three, which you always play, as, which you play as Bayonetta through all three of those stages, the next set is uh, Viola, then two Bayonetta stages, and that's going to be the um. The pattern throughout the rest of the game. You go, Viola introduces you to the next uh, multiverse layer, and then um, you play her stage, and then you go into Bayonetta's stage, and then you do like the big climactic cinematic final boss showdown for that area. So that is, it's weird that you play like six or seven stages as Bayonetta, and then you go into that pattern where I feel like they should have introduced you with Viola earlier on to get used to how she works, especially when um, a lot of her mechanics are supposed to be designed around being easier than Bayonetta. You don't need to worry about weapon right. switching, um, her demon summoning mechanic. So if the demons take too much damage as Bayonetta, they can get enraged and turn against you. And you can use that to your advantage if you're good enough to, of blocking their attacks, but at the same time, they're, like, really, really difficult to deal with. Um, Viola doesn't have to worry about that at all. Uh, her cat, Sheshi, is very um, connected to her. They're basically best friends rather than ma- a master and servant relationship. So Sheshi can take as much damage as he wants and he'll never turn against Viola, so you don't have to worry about that. And so, yeah, it feels like she's supposed to be the beginner character, which is why it's so odd that they've reversed... the reverse the play role between the Nero and Dante and Bayonetta and Viola. Yeah, because yeah, Nero was pretty easy to get a grasp of, like, as soon as you start. Like, I mean, the uh, Devilbringer gives you the, the parrying system right off the bat, shows you how to parry, like, immediately, so... And you can um, grapple with the Devilbringer, which Dante can't do. Yeah, so that made that definitely made things different. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird. I don't know, like, games where you switch back and forth between characters, sometimes it's kind of weird. Um, especially when it comes to something like that, like a uh, hack and slash style game. It's not so bad when you're playing a game like Octopath Traveler, where it's just a JRPG where you're just switching between these characters until yeah. they eventually they meet up plot-wise. So, I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, it, yeah, it, it's definitely weirder than an RPG, because RPG, you still uh, construct uh, yeah, to it's- you'd like your attack, magic, and skills. This is like wrapping your head around a whole new gameplay yeah, you're style. Like basically, yeah, you're, it's like almost playing a different game in, in some aspects. Yeah, like you, it's got all the familiar controls that you're used to. You've still got your uh, attack, your kick, your guns and everything, but they all work so differently that it might as well be a different game. 
Yeah, and I think the I think the same thing kind of happened with uh, Devil May Cry Five with with switching between three characters. It kind of was like, okay, I'm used to two of them, and now there's another one that's just kind of off the wall, <laughs> trying to learn how to play it. And uh, I, I mean, the game wasn't too. The game's great. Like I love that game, but it's it definitely just adding adding more and more characters definitely makes the game feel weird sometimes. Yeah. 100%. At least V's pr- fairly easy to learn how to use. Yeah. Yeah. And and V's got, like, a very limited moveset, and he's only got, like, three stages. So, overall, he's not, like, a big damper on the game. Hey, nah, he feels more really. like a gimmick character. Yeah. Though, like, his moves are like, oh, they're fun. He, he's, basically, he's basically Devil May Cry's version of Summoner. Yeah, and so. uh, Bayonetta 3 feels like an extension of what V could have been. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to touch on with Bayonetta 3 in that, like, it's a weird trade-off, like, this whole demon mechanic traded off to make something different for the sake of this game as well, is that, um, so in Bayonetta 1 and 2, uh, all your, gu- all your weapons could be attached to your hands or feet, uh, some, some of them were only, like, hands or feet only, like, the ice skates you're not gonna attach to your hand, and the swords you're not gonna attach to your feet unless you're the Bayonetta 2 swords, in which case that's fine. <laughs> But no, this is like the weapons are just weapon sets, um, like like how they would be for Dante. So uh, your guns are just like a set of guns you'll always have. And then you switch to like, let's say, a microphone. You can't attach something else to your feet, even though you'll be using your hands for the microphone. It's just that's it. The microphone is your weapon set. And I feel like that's kind of removed a bit of the identity that Bayonetta had, where there was this whole mix and match element to the gameplay and it's been taken away in sake of this um a demon summoning mechanic again and that's that's a little disappointing for me i i really like that mix and match elements and uh, yeah that, that is i'm just kind of bummed out that that's gone can you swap the weapons like in the middle of a fight oh yeah you you still have like it's it's not as free form as dante is you can only switch between two weapons rather than mm his big arsenal, and so far I think I've got, like, eight weapons for Bayonetta that are on board, so that that would right. get a little, yeah, that would get a little overbearing, but it's still, like, kind of two is the maximum, where in uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2, you could have, like, you, you'd still have the two, like, weapon sets, but it'd be a potential of, like, four different weapons at once. Okay, so they've sort of, yeah, they've changed it so that you've got more of the, like, on-the-fly swapping ability, but they've removed the ability to, I guess, mix and match your own sets. Yeah, and in doing that, they've also kind of removed, like, redundant weapons, like Bayonetta 1 and 2 have, like, here's your pistols, now here's your shotguns, now here's your rocket launchers. Uh, They've kind of removed those sort of redundancies in favor of, like, more... um personalized and gimmicky weapons which that that's neat but i still wish there was that mix and match elements they've streamlined it down yeah yeah but yeah overall i've been i've been enjoying the game it's just kind of a mix of i like this but i prefer what bayonetta one offered and while this is still fantastic and getting up there it's not quite as good as um that first game was for me so uh how far are you into the game? Uh, about three quarters, I'd say. I've um the 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 advertisement showed um 
five Bayonettas, like one that you control and four that you'll meet. I'm up to the fourth one now. And there's go- after that, I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of like wind up towards the um, end game. Mm. All right. Well, speaking of Bayonetta, I think that could be a good hopping off point to like the first topic in your little news section with about her OG voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um that's Yeah, so the whole thing with Helena Taylor got um got more uh intricate, I guess, or not. It's a lot more clearer now than it was before. So last week we talked about uh, like last week uh, me and the other co-host uh talked about the first set of these um tweets that she made where she talked about how she was only being offered $4,000 for recording Bayonetta 3. And then Kamiya kind of like made himself look like a dick, which got everyone on her side even more. I think, I think we also covered that um, Bloomberg came out and made an article about how it was actually going to be 4000 per recording session. So 15 to 20k overall. And that was where we left off last time. <laughs> This time, Helena Taylor's come out onto Twitter again and she's gone, no, 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 everyone's calling me a liar. Let me tell you how I lied about the situation before by admitting uh, she was being offered 15k initially. And no one mentioned this number before. She said, um, she said any claim that she was asking for $250,000 is incorrect. I don't remember seeing that number flown around i've just seen people say she asked for six figures so maybe she did ask for that and she's accidentally let that slip um suspiciously specific denial (laughs) yeah um and and the weirdest part was when she talked about like oh here's the math i did and it's just like that's very clearly just the first google search of how many copies has Bayonetta franchise sold? Yeah. Okay. She, take that number times 60 per copy. All right. It made that much. It's like, that's. That's not how that okay. works. That's not how revenue works. <laughs> yeah. So she, she's made how the, that works. She's made the claim that Bayonetta as a franchise without merchandise sales is like a quarter of a billion dollars, which is like, no, this is a very small no. franchise. Each one sells no, 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 no. Like, like a million no, 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 no. to two million. Halo. Yeah barely made that kind of money back in like Halo 2, Halo 3. And yeah. that was like on MSNBC. Yeah, that was like a big game for years. Yeah. And it's like I think if you if we're talking about GTA 5, sure. But I'm pretty sure Rockstar paid the actors for Michael, Trevor and um uh Franklin like a lot of money cuz they weren't just voice actors. They did everything with those characters yeah yeah and i feel like it, that's mainly like bayo a lot of people have played bayonetta one and i don't know too many people that have actually been like yeah i played bayonetta two yeah no bayonetta well, two I mean, was, was, on, was uh, on the wii u who cares <laughs> yeah it was yeah wii u I, I think it's one of those things where <laughs> I, you know, I didn't see anyone was like yeah my favorite game is bayonetta two i'm like okay like oh, it's a respected series, but it's not. It's not huge. It go, it, yeah, it's respected yeah. enough to get into Smash because Nintendo published Bayonetta two and three. Yeah, most people just consider it like a Devil May Cry clone, but you know, it's 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 not. It, it is in some aspects, but it's not like it. It, it shares kind of DNA because Hideki Kamiya made yeah. both. Yeah, Kamiya made both. Right. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. It's Devil May Cry's little sister. Yeah, exactly. 
But yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Helena Taylor kind of like dobbed herself in. That that's turned everyone against her now, and to add salt into the wound of turning everyone against her on launch day for the game, she's put out some more tweets going, "Hey, instead of buying Bayonetta free, go uh, donate to these charities." One of them being a, a anti-abortion charity in Kentucky. So even if um. Even if you uh, people were on her side before, this is like the worst fan base to do that too. Yeah, yeah that hasn't painted her in a very good choice. Probably should have gone with some like, oh, let me just Google up some like, like what are the top five safest charities to donate to? I don't know. Feed the, ch- feed the Waters, children. Red Cross. Yeah, feed the yeah. children. <laughs> Save the puppies. Saint Jude. Yeah, Saint Jude's Hospital for like that's for um I don't know if Australia you ever heard about Saint but Saint Jude is a hospital like branch in America and they exclusively deal deal with kids with cancer. So it's yeah, like, cancer. Oh, just donate yeah. to St. Jude. Okay, like kids with cancer. Yeah, go ahead. Not that's kind of a divisive one to put up for a donation. Divisive is a word. Yep, that I would use. Yeah, let, let's leave it at divisive. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is I I don't see her ever coming back in the video game industry now. Uh, the, I think the thing that annoys me the most about all of this is I'm I'm worried now about the additional skepticism that voice actors are going to face if they do talk about like being undervalued because that was a whole thing a few years ago where like I think didn't like the voice actors union for video games like strike yeah they did yeah and that that was a big and, thing as well with like this Helen the yeah. story was like. She was replaced by Jennifer Hale, who's one of the faces of that uh, video game uh, voice acting strike movements. So it's like she she wasn't yeah. going to be, get lowballed offered like if Helena Taylor had uh, been before, which she wasn't. Yeah, and speaking of like the thing, it's just like it kind of feels bad because like okay, there is a topic of discussion to be had with pay and voice acting because if I remember, um, I think Sean Chiplock. The guy who did uh, the bird dude in Breath of the Wild, yeah. um, the main guy, he come out and when that first bro- came broke out, he publicly came out and said, yeah, the role I made for Breath of the Wild, I've made less money than that two throwaway lines I just had as a cameo in Detective Pikachu. Yeah, and he voiced three characters in Breath of the Wild. And he's like, the entirety of Breath of the Wild, I've made less money than that. And it's like, okay, that's... You know, that's a discussion, but now because of all of this, it kind of, it's like, okay, that's still a discussion to be had in certain things, but it's just attached itself to this weird, you know, controversy. Yeah, and it, so everyone's just trying to move away from Helena Taylor at this point and just keep it on uh, your game and voiceover payments. Yeah, I think it just, it damages some of the good faith to have something like this happen. Yeah, definitely. But so... Uh, I guess, I guess, keeping on the topic of uh, uh, people getting replaced, then <laughs> um, uh, Liam Hemsworth is going to be replacing uh, um, Henry Cavill as Gerald Gary. in the Witcher Netflix series. Uh, I hadn't actually I think you seen meant Gary this. the metrosexual. <laughs> there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of speculation on why this is happening. Um, it's no secret probably though that of, <laughs> it's no secret that Superman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, that would be my assumption. There, there's that, but there's also no secret being made that Henry Cavill hates the writers for um, the Witcher series. Like, he's constantly having back and forth with them about keeping things book and game accurate, while the writers do not respect anything about the Witcher lore. So, 
he he probably wanted out if they were going to continue being like that. Yeah. I haven't heard any of this. Yeah, no, I, The Witcher I, I was a passion project thing. for him. He really loves the series and the books. Yeah. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's kind of the same thing with like uh, 343 Studios and Halo. And it's just like, oh, we hired people who don't, who hated Halo. And it's just like, why? Why? <laughs> that, what, what, what would now, they bring now, to now, Halo? Now look at Halo. No Forge, no split screen co-op for a campaign in Infinite. It's just like, I mean, they hated Halo. They turned Halo into not Halo. I, well, and, it's one of those things where it's like, we need to make this appeal to the people that it doesn't currently appeal to. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you change it too much, then who does it appeal to? Yeah, it, eh, whatever. Yeah, but Liam Hendrith, it's like, you know what? He's a enjoyable enough actor. I've, I feel like I'm not kind of the right person to say this because when it comes to Witcher, it's like, Witcher 3, good. Witcher anything else? Uh, eh. Yeah, I haven't seen this series, but I... I'm just bummed for uh, Henry Cavill, I guess, because he he did generally seem like he enjoy- he was going to enjoy being Geralt when they first cast him, and it yeah. sounds like it's been well, nothing yeah, but bad I, news since. I've I've only watched the first season, so like I don't know about how far off book or anything like that it gets, but I do know that like yeah, he absolutely was playing that role as a passion project, and he was loving it. So. Yeah. Like, when I, I do know. get around to watching season two, I guess I'll probably be watching it with a more critical eye to, like, will How I bother much- <laughs> continuing to watch this? How much did he try and save this? Yeah. At but least yeah. Um, what he said for the Superman stuff, he's like, I'm going to enjoy coming back and working on more of a Boy Scout Superman. It's just like, that's, that's all I wanted. I just want Henry Cavill and I want Boy Scout Superman. I don't need injustice. I need... Truth, justice, and the American way, Superman. I need all-star Superman. I don't yeah, need... It's been what so about long dark since and gritty? It's been so I, long I since that's happened Superman. for Superman in, like, live action or, like, most media that it, it's actually surprisingly going to be a breath of fresh air. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and rolling off that, uh, they also announced that The Witcher is going to be remade from the ground up for Unreal Engine 5, the first Witcher game, which... CD Project Red announcing five, six new projects that's going to take them a lot longer and a lot more time and money to make again. Yeah, announcing things too early. Again, and and they're going to do all this stuff. It's just like, guys, you've learned your lesson. It took like, what, like 10 years, 11, something like that? Well, Something I think like they that. weren't even working on it when they first started advertising. Yeah, for they, they it. which is stupid because they should have like, they should have waited until they had something to announce. Yes, besides, yes they we, should have. Besides, I mean, the ink is dry. the The ink is still wet. We just signed it. Here is a CG trailer. Yeah, we can all just jump on the conversation of uh, Versus Thirteen and how long that took. I mean, how long never came out. They- <laughs> Yeah, but um, speak back to Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red. So it's like they announced 2077 so early, they deleted everything about their original build to restart it. Like, I think more than once. And Square Enix did the same thing for 7 Remake. It's just a difference is Square Enix is a literal billion dollar company. They can do that. They can just hire somebody else to make it from the ground up. CD Projekt Red is not that. They're just a game studio. I think the funny thing is yeah. with that example is that Square Enix hired themselves to remake it from the ground up after they outsourced it originally. 
Yeah, yeah but they could afford to do that because yeah. they've got other projects. They've got Final Fantasy fourteen to bankroll things. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I EPR Dragon has Quest. Witcher three. We can't forget <laughs> Dragon Quest. Yeah, no, those, those are definitely true. It's just I, I think it's funny that instead of like handing it off to someone else, they're like, oh wait, we'll do this ourselves. Give it back. Like, uh, Versus 13 into 15 had, what, like, three different teams and two different name changes, like, over a 13-year rem- period? I remember, <laughs> I remember reading articles, and this is, like, one of the few times I felt bad for Nomura, because I don't like him as a writer, and it's just, like, while he was working on Versus 13, because that was his baby, he didn't find out he was directing Severed Remake until they showed the trailer to the offices and he saw his name there as director. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember that's that. Great and he's just like, well, how am I supposed to do this? And they're just like, oh, here's the neat part. You don't. You're working on 7. Versus 13 is not your game anymore. Yeah, and even when he wanted to make Versus 13, it was a skeleton crew because people kept yeah, getting moved from that to 13 regular and then the 13 trilogy and 14 because Grenix <laughs> really needed those projects to be saved. Which, in the long yeah. run, 14 being saved was a good thing. I like as soon as they gave it to Tabato, everyone was like, oh, well, someone's going to die. At least the main character's going to die by the end of it. Yeah, it's Tabata's yeah. trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tabata, he, Tabata is such a frustrating director for me because, like, okay, your games are mediocre as best, except there are, like, glints and, like, shining moments of, like, absolute brilliance in his games. It's just, like, overall, it's just such a whatever game that he after picks. after 15 and its basic failure he he ended up jumping ship didn't he he ended up he, making yeah. his own studio yeah he left to make his he, own studio that hasn't released yeah. anything yet <laughs> as far as i know i mean to to be fair um uh what's the itagaki he made devil's third and his game studio is still up and he's just like oh no i have friends with like russians he's just a gangster with a game studio as a front like I don't think they'll ever make a game again. He's just a criminal now. Yeah, that sounds accurate. Uh, especially after Devil's Third was like a front of a video game itself. Uh, there you go. Yeah, actually, actually, to the article, I guess. Um, from from what I, a lot of people I've seen talk about this. I haven't played Witcher One myself, but a lot of people are like, "Yeah, no, The Witcher needed to be remade because it wasn't until The Witcher Two where the game was actually acceptable to play." Like The Witcher I One. Saw- had- the Witcher one has a good story in it, but playing it itself is hell. Yes, I played that. I've heard as well. I've played. I've watched a video of Witcher one and see this gameplay and systems. It is absurd. It's like, oh, you need to make a potion. It's like, okay, it's like the crafting. You know, crafting in fourteen is like, oh, it's in depth, yada yada, baba. That might as well be Witcher three's crafting system compared to what Witcher one was doing. It's a gigantic clusterfuck it's the euro jink in all the wrong ways oh that's that's the stuff you want to hear <laughs> that, that's what you love about euro jink yeah but not 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 in the good not in the metro 2033 good way in the i don't know i haven't played any bad euro jink games i always avoid them <laughs> yeah no and then 20 and 20 minutes making a potion and 15 minutes of running to the next cutscene and five minutes of cutscene and then dying in the combat, and then because checkpoints aren't a thing, you have to reload your last save. Oof. Okay. So it was in need of a remake. Yeah. Unlike yeah. unlike other remakes recently. 
Yeah, it, yeah, Last like of a, Us. <laughs> yeah, Last of Us. Yeah, let's let's re- let's remake a game that just came out less than a decade ago. When did Witcher One? Uh, this come is out, the second actually? time too. Twenty thirteen. Witcher One was twenty thirteen. Oh, Witcher One. Sorry, I thought you were meaning Last of Us. No, no, no. Yeah, I was wondering when the Witcher One came out. Um, two thousand and seven. So that, that's that's Ooh, okay. Yeah, it is a bit old. That, that's, yeah, that's fifteen that's years fair. now. It'll probably be twenty years by the time the remake comes out. Yeah, probably Year 25. Are you kidding? Year versus 13 was announced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm kind of hoping with CDPR that, um, like, The Witcher to The Witcher 2, like, I haven't actually played all the way through The Witcher 2. Um, actually, I'm not even sure if I started it. I think I might have just watched somebody else play a little bit. But, like, everybody says it was a massive jump in quality, and I'm kind of hoping, because you know there will be, like, a Cyberpunk 2078 or something that, like... They already they'll announced get, it. They'll they announced get it right it. Oh, they have? Something. Yes, they have. Oh, it, they announced it, 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 like, this, they announced like three Witcher projects, yeah. a new cyberpunk project, and they announced Witcher 5. And it's like, you yeah, because, you guys can barely make one game on time. Uh, how, yeah. Why are you announcing five? I think there's like a, I think there's like a major expansion for uh, 2077. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, like yeah. Cool I've, heard of, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, they also a had a sequel like, in the okay. works somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that was inevitable. Like, on par with like a Final Fantasy fourteen expansion, but for twenty seventy seven. So that, well, that that ought to be pretty decent. Which, After Blood and Wine for The Witcher three, I'd believe that they'd work to that kind of scale. Yeah, they they can do that. But for the Cyberpunk one, I'm kind of you know trepidation uh, because of just how Cyberpunk. I don't know if you know. I, I'll just avoid spoilers. But how Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven ended, it just felt kind of awkward for have a dlc like expansion especially if we're just playing as v again like oh well, i think it, it's set it's, before the end yeah it, it that's what's happening it's like oh here's just some like it'd be like a fallout new vegas kind of deal so it's like oh yeah and then you just go to i don't know somewhere yeah else. Oh, it, like, okay it, cool. it's also kind of like <laughs> a little weird sounding like from that like from an outsider's perspective like well it's just going to be set before the end it's like so there's going to be like this massive chunk that was like oh. just randomly inserted into the into the middle of it. Like Especially also, since it's just like there's a time limit. In yeah, 2077. That, that was one like, of the main things for me is like 2077's plot is very like, OK, once things start happening, you don't have a lot of time. Like you're on a clock and now they're just going to be like, but for a month you went and did something else. It's like, OK. Well, unless they go the um, the, the Fallout Three route with like I don't know if you all play Fallout Three, but like literally the end of the game, your character dies. The first oh, the broken ma- steel thing. Yeah, the, literally the first major DLC for Fallout Three made it retconned it immediately. Like, oh yeah, you didn't actually die. Here's the story. It continues. <laughs> You're like, okay, thanks, thanks, Bethesda. I, yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to do that, though, because Cyberpunk yeah. actually does have a lot of variation to its endings, so... And they're, it, they're pretty good endings, so it's just like... Honestly, uh, yeah, like, at a, at a pure writing level, I thought Cyberpunk 2077 was good. Yeah, like... It's a lot of everything to, else. Yeah, when it, like, like, as a whole package, Cyber 2077 is mid, but, like, now that it's working, obviously, as mm. yeah. close, closer to, to intended... Closer I need to go intended. play it because literally when I started playing it, uh, there was just random poles that popped up out of the ground as I was driving. <laughs> it flung me a thousand feet in the air and I was like, yeah, I, I can't play this. 
Yeah. What I did is I just put all my graphics settings to like low. Ray tracing is turned on by default and it's just like, bro, most computers can't do that. Why is this on by default? Yeah, relatively so, speaking, ray tracing is still pretty new in the graphics card scene. Yeah, it's just like, oh, ray tracing being introduced for the PS5. Okay, cool. Most PCs can't do that. Need to fix the game and for technology to catch up and then you can play 2077. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I was uh, I I knew uh, Cyberpunk was a game that I was going to wait on. I still haven't got to it. Maybe maybe when I do a PC upgrade. It was one of those games where like you could tell it was gonna be an absolute shitstorm. Like oh even uh, even then I, I was too, I was even then I'm not too into Western RPGs, which is why I was just gonna wait because I I didn't want to risk a hundred and ten dollars on a game just, I wouldn't like. That's fair. Just do what. Just just wait a little while. Just do what The Witcher Three did when they add when they add everything all together and like oh, all in the, all in one bundle, like a game of the year edition kind of thing. Yeah, so, you know you know they'll do it. Probably they'll release it and then it'll be on sale like two or three years from now. Yeah, I just I knew like after all of the delays and stuff, it's like okay, there are going to be serious problems here. But I just like I love the universe. I, I run the Cyberpunk tabletop game, so I was like, I'm kind of in for a penny and for a pound on this one anyway. So let's just see what a glorious mess it is. And oh boy, okay. So Speaking of glorious <laughs> mess, Onyx Prime. Um, uh, yeah. what do you guys think of the new trailer? I. Don't give a shit about Sonic, uh, so I got nothing to say. <laughs> this is yeah, I'll admit, here. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> this is literally here because I give a shit about Sonic. <laughs> so I, I can just talk about this for like two minutes by myself and that'll be fine. But no, the, the new trailer's fine. Um, they, they show off that the, for some reason the team is going to be five characters. Uh, for some reason Rouge is joining the, the main cast of characters Some. Somehow, it's going to be weird when that happens, but I'm kind of in into the idea. And just generally, it looks like another multiverse story. I don't know what the fuck is going on with it, with Hollywood and games recently, but multiverse is all over the place. Does, does anyone well, know what is happening? Yeah, Marvel did it, so we all have to. Yeah, it just feels no. like... It feels like too quick of a turnaround. It's got to be like everyone decided multiverse at the same time, right around the time... Um, at, like six months before uh, Avengers happened. So is, ba- is Bayonetta three doing the multiverse thing? Yeah, Bayonetta three is a multiverse story as well. Uh, oh Lord, enjoy Devil May Cry six. Yeah. Oh Lord, exactly what I was thinking. Well, to be fair, Devil May- when it comes to Devil May Cry, it's Suno's seems great. It's like okay, we're making like one game a generation, then we're kind of done. You know what? Like- Dragon's Dogma was a, a multiverse story, kind of. Let's not let's not get me started on Dragon's Dogma. Let's go back to talking about Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon's Dogma too. He's uh, he's into he's in that right now. They they could go all in on their multiverse story for that one. What no. Itsuno did to Devil May Cry two to three, please let him do to Dragon's Dogma one to two. That's all I'm gonna say about Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> Dragon's Dogma is like the greatest seven out of ten I've ever played. More like three out of ten, but I mean, like, <laughs> I, whatever. Yeah, no, um, that, that's all. I'll, uh, right, so uh, Sonic's going to come out on Netflix on December 15th. I'll probably just binge that right away if it's a binge. Um, if it's week by week, then I'll wait for it to all well, come out. Well, Netflix doesn't do week by week. They Netflix is committed to the binge. That's why JoJo Part 6 is 
failing in popularity because they're just doing bad things. Uh, they they also like, said recently that they realize that the binge method is doing harm to them, so they're going to want to start doing week by week at some point. Yeah, I can see how start with Sonic. Um, <laughs> please don't start with Sonic. Please start with JoJo. Please. It's too late for I mean, JoJo. They already it, released it all. It's killing. It, they, they didn't release it all. They, the last episode they have is when they leave the prison. And they still have the whole second half of part six to come. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like, the current season uh, that they uh, have available is already too late. And yeah. now we've got to wait, like, Stone another Ocean. six months. Yeah. Releasing Stone Ocean in four parts. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, pull one out for JoJo. And honestly, I, I actually am, like, I, I do think that the, the binge, um, I don't know, method, I guess, isn't as good a way to watch shows as stretching it out a bit. I don't like when they release them in, like, batches and then there's months at a time between them, because, like, like, things like half seasons I despise, but, like, an episode a week of a show, I actually do kind of feel like it sticks in your head better than a binge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of why... Um when Witcher Season 1 and Mandalorian came out at the same time, more people talk about Mandalorian because like, oh, binge Witcher, you're done. But you watch one yeah. week of Mandalorian and you're just like, I want more. Yeah, no, Disney Plus sure. has proven that the week by week on a streaming service is still very viable and keeps the interest around much longer. I mean, I see why it works for a streaming service because you've got like a subscription that you want to maintain. So it keeps people around longer. But yeah, like, like Better Call Saul coming out week by week and I was watching that like I remember details of that show that I would not have remembered if I just binged an entire season in one day because I, you it would had, have because it's better call Saul yes exactly like if it had I was as soon as those episodes came out I was finding time to watch them so and you know what uh, just just to jump on it for a second because you mentioned it on the server earlier um, Stranger Things season 4 probably could have uh, benefited from a week by week because those were long episodes that needed to be binged. The movie length episodes. Holy yeah. hell. Two and three hours long. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, three hours for an episode there. Yeah, the, well, the, last, the last episode was like... It's like two hours, two 20 hours minutes. Thir- yeah, two hours. Yeah, like it is, it is a movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah those are were commitments to watch. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> we, yeah, we were gonna, we were going to sit down and watch the last two episodes because that's how we like to do that. Because you know, second to last episode always ends on a cliffhanger. We couldn't yeah. do it with this one because it's like, I'm sorry, I cannot find a four hour block of time to watch two episodes <laughs> of the show. More like five because you still got like take a break in the middle. Damn. I, I think Trin and I did that. We did watch both of them back, uh, like back to back. It it was a long stretch of time to do that. Yeah. I, w- I watched them all in one day. It just took it took the whole fucking day. It, it does, uh, yeah. I did that with season three, but that was because it was like it was just a rainy day when nothing else was going on. So yeah, it, it was, it was we a Saturday. started watching. I, I didn't I didn't have to work on a Saturday, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch them all. Quick, yeah. Quick question. Yeah, but because of that, like because of that binge, I don't remember that much about season three, to be honest. Quick question: uh, Is season is binging season four still a shorter runtime than binging the extended cuts of the Lord of the Rings movies? Uh, no, I think season four is longer. Yeah, yeah. Damn, I was I hoping I was hoping the joke it's would run that Lord of the Rings is still longer somehow. <laughs> no, I think because it's a nine episode season, oh, it, it's, uh, it's, I think it's longer. You count the Hobbit trilogy as part of that, then uh, yeah. Oh well, that's different. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> counting the Lord of the Rings. Not, not, not entirely, because it is still part of the Lord of the Rings lore. So, 
<laughs> yeah, but let's just not count it. <laughs> yeah. They, they, should have, they should have turned one book into three movies. <laughs> <laughs> one book that's like a fifth of the length of one of the Lord of the Rings books. It, it, the trilogy worked out so well for the others, it has to work out well this time. Everything has to be a trilogy all the time. Poor Peter Jackson. They bought him on after they booted up the first book. was like, hey, we're making a trilogy of The Hobbit. Can you, like, fix it? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> the fuck is The oh, Hobbit? I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. No. Yeah. What's the next one? Pokemon reveals Grievard. Oh, that's that ghost dog, right? Yeah, I love it. I, I'm putting it right on my team right away. The only problem I have with it is that his ability is pickup, which is such a useless ability. Could be buried, uh, bro. Thanks, I don't use those. This is Pokemon. I just... Oh, I'm having trouble? I'll go level up like twice. There we go, no trouble. I, I hope it evolves yeah, just that so that a, it loses pickup. It is a pretty crappy ability. I, I was kind of thrown off ground because I thought it was going to be a ground ghost type, but it's just pure ghost as well. A lot of the new Pokemon, the dog I think... Pokemons have two forms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure most dog Pokemon have two. So there's a decent chance it'll have another form. Yeah. So is it a... Is it a is it a base Pokemon or is it a pre like a is it an evolution? Agreement. We we've only seen the one form, so this would be the base, and they might be hiding an evolution somewhere. There's yeah, another. You can usually there, tell looking at them. There's another dog Pokemon that was announced for this too, wasn't there? Um, not I feel like there was another. I don't think so. I I know there was one in the last gen. Let me let me do a quick uh, look. I know I know we got the pig Lechonk. Yeah, there's Lechonk. Yeah. But I, brilliant. I Thanks, Nintendo. Like, 20 years too late, but, you know, good <laughs> on you for catching up, I suppose. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there was another dog. That was Fido. Yeah, I knew, because I, was, he, was he was a pun on, he was literally like a pun on dough. Like, there's like... Oh, that's right. He looks like a loaf of bread. Yeah. I could have sworn there was another dog one. I was thinking maybe Grievered was like an evolution to that. That, that would be weird, going oh, from Doe to Skeleton yeah, Candle Dog. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, that's the evolution? Well, why did it evolve? Oh, it's because we ate it. Okay. <laughs> that's the lure. He, he, was, he was eaten. There's been worse. There's been yeah. worse Pokédex yeah. entries than that. Yeah, Marowak. Got Cubone in general. The Cubone lines are always the worst. Yeah. Drama. Mifloon, stealing children. Hypno. Stealing children. There's a lot of stealing children <laughs> ones. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it, must, it must be really bad to be a 10-year-old in that world. Wait a minute. Game Freak, are you okay? <laughs> you, you, you leave home to become a Pokemon trainer at 10? There's all these Pokemon that are dangerous to 10-year-olds? All right, everyone. Media literacy check. Let's uh, philosophize on why there's so many uh, kidnappings in Pokemon. Part one of our two-hour podcast. <laughs> uh the dark underbelly of Pokemon. Dark underbelly of Pokemon is just going through every Pokedex entry one at a time. <laughs> they yeah. don't check those, do they? No, I'm pretty sure they're all intentional. Because when they wanted to phase out Mega Evolution, they're like, you know what, we're just going to write that every single Pokedex entry, that Mega Evolution hurts the Pokemon, so you don't want to do it. Oh, okay. A couple of years of animal cruelty for the series. That's fine. <laughs> they really only did that? Yeah, um, uh, the one, uh, the one I just remember, like the one just I like evolve, it just starts crunching its bones and screaming. You're like, oh no! 
Don't do <laughs> to be this fair, part. this is a series where you enslave and then dogfight monsters, so like... There's not a lot of high ground true. there. Get back to work, slave. <laughs> so you have, you have your tour chicks and you're just having cockfights. <laughs> just stapling blades to its claws? Alright, come on. Let's move on from that. Um, <laughs> uh, so this this one Kaiser put onto um, the Discord earlier as well because I think he's the most excited for it. But um, Woe Long is coming out on March first next year. That's a lock in for me. That's for sure. It's pretty good. I I've still the parry system. I'm probably gonna have to get used to it. But you know, I love Neo Two. I love Ninja Gaiden, the 360 games. So. Odds are I'm going to like this one, but I think I can be patient, but I, I, I'm definitely more excited for this than I was for Sekiro. Yeah, no, I played the alpha demo for this and it's doing a lot of interesting things just overall that I'm really digging into. So I yeah, and, I and don't know if it'll be day one, but like it'll be pretty early really for me. fucking difficult though. Yeah. <laughs> All those enemies are really hard. Like the... That big, like, lion, tiger... Yeah, no, the tiger fucks thing. me up so many times, even when I was well above its level. That's no, a pretty wicked like, med DNA, though. This is Team yeah, Ninja, right? Yeah, yeah it's Team yeah. Ninja, so it's got that Ninja Gaiden feel. Yeah. Yeah, and I keep saying this, every time they make a new game, they get closer and closer to just doing Ninja Gaiden again. It's, it's gonna happen one of these days. It may be, because, like, remember, Ninja Gaiden 3, when it first came out, was ass. They had to make Razor's Edge, which was just okay, and then they made Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z, which was. I don't think shit. that was. I don't think that was Team Ninja. I think that was someone else. They still slap Ninja Gaiden on it. So. Yeah, I am wondering a little bit at this point whether like the members of the team just kind of don't want to go back to it because I don't know. Maybe wow. it feels a little bit cursed, or maybe they feel like they've moved on since then. And they've mentioned it before, and I think they said they they would like to go back to it at some point, but they're just so focused on doing new things that there's no time to do it right now. Yeah, and uh, speaking back for Itagaki, it's just like Itagaki made those first two Ninja Gaiden games what they are because they were just, they were crazy games. Like, and... uh, for Ninja Gaiden, the original Ninja Gaiden 2, not the Sigma releases or any of that. It's just like, only Itagaki would be, like, crazy enough to have this borderline unplayable game released on an Xbox. Like, even if you go on emulator, on the emulation for Xbox 360 or Xbox, that game cannot run on emulation because it's just so poorly put together. And it's just like, okay, it runs good enough, the frame rate will drop down to, like, 3 it when fifty enemies shows up on screen, but goddamn it, was it fun? Yeah, the frame rate's going to drop down to three, and you're going to be bombarded by exploding kunai. Yeah, and it's just like only Itagaki would think that's acceptable, and somehow get it to run in the first place. <laughs> so, uh, how is the uh, Stranger of Paradise DLC? I haven't gone to the them? second one yet, but the first one I thought was fine. Um, yeah, I, it, it's I, I going to require the- some grinding to do though. <laughs> Yeah, I saw I saw that. I was I was uh, watching some people play because I, I played just the base game. I haven't played the DLCs, but it looks like looks like they want you to grind pretty heavily to do the DLCs. Like it looks like it's like some crazy end game when it comes to fighting Bahamut. Yeah, no, Trin and I it- just barely scratched past Bahamut when we did it together, and that I took us like one of us Ninja- had to spec into doing a white mage 
and the other just do damage. Yeah, I think one of the things for Team Ninja is like, because for all their Souls-like games, it's like, okay, you finish the main story, you don't put it down, you go back and you start grinding up for the green uh, tier gear, well, epic gear, whatever the hell it's called in Neo. Yeah, they're treating all that, their games like Diablo 2. And, yeah. it's, you, and you do that, and you do that for a few months to grind up and get good stuff, so when the DLC comes out, you're already good enough level, but if you're a normal person, I beat the game, put it down, DLC comes out, I'm getting my ass kicked. You yeah. know, it's just like Team Ninja. I think Neo 2 is pretty good about that, actually. Um, yeah, Neo 2 is better. I'm, Neo 1 was yeah. actually really Cause, cause, bad with it. Yeah, because the DLC did have a linear progression, it's just the DLC also dropped with successive levels of New Game Plus, so it's like, you could go into the first DLC campaign after you'd finished the main plot, and it'd be like a little bit of a jump, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah, Neo 1 was really bad with that. Yeah, Neo 1 was really bad. Yeah, yeah the way Stranger of Paradise is, um, is handling it is like, when the base came game out, you got to um, at level 300 with the Chaos difficulty, and then the first DLC dropped, and it's like, okay, if you made it to the end of the Chaos difficulty, then you're prepared for the DLC. And then they added a whole new difficulty level and another 100 levels, and then the Gilgamesh DLC just dropped into like, if you did everything for the last one and made it to the end of that one, then you're ready for this one. It's like, no, Ninja Theory, I have, I, I, I only have so much yeah. time. I, I need Elden to do something Ring else. came out at some point after... Yeah, I want to experience the levels and the fights. I don't want to have to grind through the entire game again in order to hit the level where I'm allowed to get in. And it's not like, you know... Neo, where you can just kind of cheese your way with enough skill to just nitpick and dodge, you know, it's more RPG-like. You kind of yeah. need the numbers. And I won't go into that, because, yeah, I have opinions about the differences in formula between Neo and Stranger of Paradise. I still think it's yeah, game of the year so far. They're entirely different games. I mean, yeah, Very much kinda, so. They, they have the same, like, kind of premise in terms of how they play, but, like, Gameplay-wise, they're, they're definitely different. <laughs> they go in very different directions, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just like try, when uh, it, in Stranger of Paradise, you manage to ungo your way through everything and you just become a Beyblade of uh, Chaos Destruction. Everything's Speak chaos in that game. Yeah. Speaking of co-op fantasy games uh, on the PS5, the Sony uh, London, so... Yeah, this, this is just like very quick. I just want to mention it real... Real quick. I, um, I literally never heard of it until you put it in the documents. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Sony London usually does games that take advantage of, like, PlayStation peripherals. But it looks like they're getting a chance to make a actual co-op game for real this time. Um, I, I kind of suspect that maybe this will be um, one of PlayStation's first attempts at um, live service now that they've acquired Bungie. Um, if, oh, if that happens, right. yeah, they did. If if that happens, this is going straight to a don't care about this game sort of situation. Yeah. Well, here's hoping it's good. I guess still too early. Yeah, still uh, way too early. It's just like they all they've done is be. drop that we're making a game that's based in a fantasy London, and it's going to be a co-op well, game. As long as it's better than uh, Babylon's Fall. Yeah. That, be right. The bar is on the floor. With that one. <laughs> <laughs> Any game successful, you can outdo that one. 
Speaking of too early to say uh, Forspoken, too late to say for me to care. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, Square Enix, please, please buy Forspoken. I, literally I, every social media post about this is the parkour looks fun. It looks fun. So they did an entire trailer about the parkour system <laughs> to go, hey, do, like, do you still care? Please still care. No, I don't, Square Enix. Goodbye. <laughs> like, oh, it's infamous, I think? In you get isekai and, you have, and you're playing as Cole McGrath. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've seen like two trailers. I have no idea what the whole game is about. To and be honest, I don't just, either. And I've Dial- The dialogue still scares me. The dialogue, the dialogue feels like someone made a satire of a Marvel movie and then some business exec saw it and thought it was a real script, and made the whole thing be written like that. Just one of the writers word. on this Random did um, Rogue One. You're kidding. Oh, God. Yeah, so it's it's not going to be great. <laughs> yeah, last large-ditch attempt by Square Enix to try and make this game relevant. I don't think it's going to work, especially not for 125 Australian dollars. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't know if I'm, like, worried about Square Enix. I, I shouldn't be, because... 14's doing so well, and... They've managed to bankrupt themselves almost three separate times. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, because we've, we've, had, we've had a lot of failures recently that aren't JRPGs. We got... Balan Wonderworld. Fall, ba- yeah, Balan Wonderworld, um, and, and now this. So I'm, I'm a little worried about them. Um, we can push back with, with Final Fantasy 16, and obviously 14 just keeps racking in money for them. Like... That's their saving grace at this point. Like, obviously, we knew that seven will print money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll print. That'll print money. We we knew that's the reason they they waited this long to make it because they were like, okay, this is our this is our out right here. Like, I I love that. Yeah, prior prior to that announcement, they were like, we we're not going to remake Final Fantasy VII until we feel we've made a better game than Final Fantasy VII. And then they announced it after fifteen. Hey, man, why don't they just? You know, remake Final Fantasy VIII and actually complete it. Why not make eight good? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Eight, to be fair to Square Enix on your defense, Kaiser, they, they did it after one of the 14 patches expansions. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, fair. So, yeah, I think eight would be better if they... It had a year development from seven to eight. And I, yeah. Over five half... To six, five to six was also a year, and that game is glitchy as hell. Yeah, but well, that was what I was going to say. Like, take one of those old fair, ones that's like sprite based. Like, you could really like give that thing a glow up. Any of those old old ones. Yeah, Final Fantasy VI would be perfect because then we won't have SNES. Okay, here's two, three dialogue boxes for a story. We could actually flush things out. Yeah, we could actually have emotions instead of you know just thing. Because six is like fantastic. We can fix some of the grinding. We don't have to go from, oh no, Kefka destroyed the world at level 40. In order to enter the final dungeon, we need to be level 70. Yeah, yeah no, I know, it's, fix that. I know a ton of people <laughs> want them to do like a HD 2D game for Final Fantasy VI or even one of the other older ones. Like what I, yeah, having, Traveler reads. Ha- having played through four like semi-recently for the first time, like I'd love to see that remade because like going oh, back to it with modern standards. The I guess, yeah. but I, like, I still feel like you could do more than that, because, like, 4 is 
Like, you know its story me? is bare bones, but there is, like, the good bones. You could really flesh that out into something the, great. The voice acting in the DS version is so terrible. The fact that they call <laughs> Cecil Cecil bothers me so bad. That, that's how I call him. DS. I yeah. don't call... He, he is Cecil. I've always known him as Cecil. Oh, uh, look, she'll always be heiress to me. I think you all sound like you're talking with a lisp, so... <laughs> Speaking of 4DS, it's just like... I kind of like how it's... Even though they remade 4 as a DS game, and they could have added so much stuff, which they kind of did, they still kept it, like, simple. Kind of because, like, okay, 4 is a SNES game. So the, the remake kind of still keeps that vibe. It's like, okay, things just, like when Rydia has PTSD of her village on fire and she's over in, like, two hours. It's just, like, that's the kind of stupid nonsense that happened in those old games because they just didn't have yeah. time to flesh it out. Yeah, and you've got to like that kind of adds to the charm of just... This is just an SNES game with a fresh coat of paint and voice acting, which, you know, I think works in Force case. For 6 and 6 onwards, the games become way too complex for me to feel satisfied with just a sentence here and there. But five backwards, they're kind of stupid games. They're kind of silly, uh, simple games. And I kind of like they still kept that vibe with 4DS. I think there's room, like, you could have, you could do both. I think yeah, you could have it both ways. Like, you could have a remake that endeavors to turn it into a whole thing. Because no remake, I think, could ever capture the quality of those old Final Fantasy games on the SNES and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We, uh... We haven't gotten any new information about uh, Final Fantasy IX's anime yet, have we? Other than no, it just that exists. Yeah, it just exists. Yeah, yeah it just, I'd rather just... not hear anything about it. I don't know, man. Like when it comes to Square Enix anime, it's like okay, they made a World Ends with You anime. I fucking love the World Ends with You. Yeah, that anime game. was not good. It was just like okay, what other Square Enix like original anime off their games have they made? Um, I can't even think of any. I know they made original movies based off their existing uh, things. And it's like, okay, Seven Advent Children is fine fan service if you're like 16 and still love Final Fantasy 7. I'm 27. I, it, oh okay, no, I still think Advent cool. Children is great. <laughs> hey man, Advent, Advent Children Sephiroth is in remake. Confirmed, so. I, I, it's canon. <laughs> I'm gonna go off on Seven Remake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll avoid talking about that one. I have opinions <laughs> there too. Me, um, me and you, we're gonna get along. Josh, great. We're gonna <laughs> yell about. We could the amount of time we spent talking about everything else. You and me could talk about Seven Remake. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've been anyways. on like twenty different Final Fantasy tangents already. Uh, let's let's just yeah. go into the sixteen trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's what that, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, because I actually really like this trailer. Um, I don't. Think, I think it's a great trailer. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. there's a lot we can talk about with this trailer, really, because it's like a lot of um world building stuff. There's it's just self, like it's pretty self explanatory. It's like here's some lore. Here's yeah. like, one two combat scenes, and here's some fights with the primals. Well, yeah, it's it's cool. We're we're seeing we're seeing the icons, and we know that basically the plot's going to revolve about around them having this all out kaiju war. Um, Which is so good, by the way. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I, although I'm very interested in the way they're gonna do to see how they're gonna do Clive, because it looked like he was just 
using their abilities while fighting them at some point. So how is how each each uh, dominant has their own icon? So I'm kind of curious as how is he using these abilities? You know? Yeah, well, as these- far yeah, as far as we can tell, he isn't actually like he doesn't actually have an icon of his own. So he just right. seems to be like. Borrowing right, other that, people's abilities. Right, that's that, that's that's what I'm getting at. It's like it's yeah. weird because he's using it. Like it seems like these like the icons are like these all powerful gods, like they always are in Final Fantasy games. But the fact is, he's using them just in battle. Like, yeah, I don't it's, know. it's, it it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. It could be a mixture of trailer shots. We want to show cool shit, even though it's like in this um. You're like you're seeing Garuda abilities being used against Garuda, for example. Like that's not actually happening in the trailer, but like just example. Kingdom Hearts kind of freeze uh, advertisements kind of did the same thing, where they showed that world's Keyblade in that world trailer. So it could just be like yeah, developer tools unlocking things early for the sake of showing them off, or maybe like there's a story thing, like you meet with these icons before you fight them and. Yeah, you gain their trust. Garuda steps on you for a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it looks like he's sleeping with at least one of them. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no that, that's not Clive that's sleeping Odin. with them. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's Odin. 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 Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, that Odin's, Odin and Garuda's dominance are from the same Garuda, country. Garuda, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and, um, Garuda, yeah, they're, they're sleeping together. Oh, okay. Because uh, Jill, Jill is Shiva, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not enough violence in that Garuda one. I'm not happy. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I think it'll be interesting. Like I said, I just I hope they do well with explaining how Clive does use the abilities because I feel as though killing Dominant to gain their abilities would ruin it for me. Because I don't know. I just think killing people just to gain abilities would be a really, really terrible way to do it. A I lot of games like do setting that. up. Yeah, I feel like they're setting up the dominance to be much, like, too important as characters to do that with right. them anyway. Right. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Maybe totally have on them one. kill them off at the end or something. I, I'm more concerned on, this is Final Fantasy's first M-rated game. What are they going to do? Like, well, they've already shown they what they're going to do. They're going to have sex. I- I meant like throughout the whole story, right? <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna stab oh, the little kid's dad right in front of him. Well, yeah, there's well, definitely head, much more yeah. like upfront blood. Yeah, yeah know there's, there's blood, also dismemberments happening all over the place. Like fingers and arms are getting chopped off pretty regularly. But I hope the story themes, like I, what I mean by rated M, I hope it's like rated M as in like okay, this is like an adultish story, and not just this is what a teenager expects an adultish story to do. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, I get that. And um I, I think that's oh, where a lot of video the, game so that's this video game so it's definitely going to be the latter. I um, think that's where a lot of like the fans are hoping there's some Game of Thrones vibes because we know that the 14 team likes Game of Thrones and for, well, it's the Heavensward team is like or at least the writers as well, isn't it? Yeah, the Heavensward writers, which you can kind of yeah, get that so, from the beginning as well with how it opens and definitely. closes the book at the beginning. <laughs> when uh really like the the the, uh, the OST for this game is going to be phenomenal. Ooh, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like they, the, the I I I want to say I want I think that's probably the battle music uh when it showed the icons, if that's the battle music, just the straight up battle music for it. Oh. 
the, the music so across good. every trailer so far has been absolutely phenomenal. Is it, I just is, hope that the Soken doing it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Soken. Yeah, yeah, he, he's talented. He's been oh like, yeah, what, always music director for 14 for since it started. Yeah, no, 14's got some bangers, man. Also, hey, one speak. one more I, thing I want to touch on real quick is that in this trailer, it looks like looks like being a dominant actually like drains a life force out of people. Like you see a couple of like husks of bodies completely drained white or on the on the verge of being completely drained. And I think the trailer said it had something to do with being a dominant. There's some the, vo- yeah, there's some I, voiceover about like them just using dominance and throwing them away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the I, the DNA strain they show when they're turning. I thought that was pretty cool. Speaking of that, I too would rip off the superior work of uh, literature that is Naruto and the Jinchuriki. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> it is. This is just a Jinchuriki thing as well. Um, um, also, I'm really I'm going to be uh, comparing this a lot with Bayonetta Three because Bayonetta Three's big boss fights all have massive kaiju battles as a phase for them. So it's going to be interesting seeing how that game does them compared to what Sixteen ends up doing when they do the massive kaiju battles. I am they have Devil May Cry Five guy come in and work on the combat. I just hope it feels as yeah. good as Devil May Cry Five. He looks he's good. also the Dragon's Dogma guy, so good. it could go that way as well. Please mm. don't. <laughs> I I feel like it'll probably be a near automata situation. Yeah, where it's I feel, like, it looks very you know, near. Yeah, like it's it's got some of the DNA of that, but it's pared back a little bit so that they don't like alienate the, it's yeah, like a, the audience who doesn't want it. Right. Yeah, from it's like probably like a mix between near and uh, Devil May Cry. From mm. from like the five shots we've seen of gameplay, it looks like it's got some some DNA from Dragon's Dogma in that, like all your face buttons do something, and then you hold a trigger to change what those face buttons do. Well, Dragon's Dogma's gameplay was phenomenal. I love the gameplay, so I can't really argue with that. Um, um, I think, yeah, I think at this point, all I really need from 16 is just give me a proper gameplay trailer. Like, I don't want to yeah. see half a second interspliced before I see, like, a Garuda cutscene. I just need to see, like, a nice five-minute slab of gameplay so that I can get an actual feel for combat. Yeah. yeah, like even think- even just show off the the dragoon fights. That's going to be early game, and that's going to be like, like a minor game- boss. Yeah, first like it's going to be much longer than we think it's going to be. Mainly because even the new uh, uh, artwork they just showed um, already shows a couple. It looks like a couple icons that have not been shown in trailers at all. Like Leviathan is on this. Uh, yeah, Leviathan key, key was on piece of art. Yeah, and he's and they have not shown Leviathan in any of the trailers so far. So um, yeah, and people are speculating the icon at the top might be Diablos. Yeah, and I'm hearing rumors about people speculating some stuff about Alexander possibly being on there somewhere. So cool giant robot. Hey, I'm all for it. Just just I'm make it make it one. one of the castles turns into Alexander like they did in Final Fantasy Nine. I think it was. <laughs> just, yeah. just do that again, and I'll I'll clap. I think the ta- I think the town was literally called Alexandria. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was. But, um, it was not subtle. The only thing I want out of sixteen is just like to really, really enjoy sixteen without having a caveat, right? Because like I enjoyed fifteen, but you know whatever my yeah. complaints are, I enjoyed twelve, but whatever my complaints are, the last game that I enjoy, last Final Fantasy game I enjoyed, just 
without a caveat, without me going on a tangent and why I hate this game, is 10. And 10 came out 20 years ago. Yeah, I feel like I'm in that same boat of the ones I've played, and I've played most of the ones post 10. Is that 10 is the last one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah ten, I assume we're excluding uh, the MMOs when we talk about yeah, excluding the MMOs. Because 14 is yeah. just a whole different can of worms. Yeah, 14 yeah. is good. Um, 11 is even good. If you can if you can go back and play through the, the shitty HUDs it has and, and some of the uh, grotesque um, character models, the storyline for 11 is actually pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't mind experiencing the storyline for 11 sometime. Yeah. For... Yeah. Since 14 is the only MMO I've played, aside from, you know, Adventure Quest. Uh, prob- <laughs> Same. Prob- yeah, prob- probably not, because MMO is like, eh, the gameplay is fun enough, but, like, you know. 14, it's very different. Yeah. yeah, it's very different from what I'm usually playing. Um, there, there was one other thing I wanted to mention about this as well, I, real quick. Um, we haven't seen any in any of the trailers, but see, um, they released some character descriptions for some characters, and for the one that's Odin's dominance, they mentioned that Beastmen are in this world as well. Um, that he single-handedly oh, yeah. brought off a army of Beastmen to keep his nation. And I, I, I hope we see more of those. I, I hope we actually see some Beastmen show up properly and interact with them. Can I get a Final Fantasy fourteen connection? I mean, it's the same team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely a lot par- of them. Yeah, there, there's definitely parallels to fourteen, like the Desert Kingdom being the one that loves uh, gold and is like Money. really rich, and, and then, also the bald black guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, sixteen's looking phenomenal. I I absolutely cannot wait. They they also end with um, it's coming summer twenty twenty three, which we knew before, but just just reiterating that. Yeah, let's just hope they don't delay it. I I don't know if they'd have uh, room hope, to delay it because it, yeah, let's hope nothing comes along to delay it. Yeah, because seven remake is happening later on that year, so they they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to work with. Yeah, yeah. don't want their uh, two big IPs to compete directly with each other. That's they why Forspoken like, is so early in the year. It, it's like it's like horror movie. It's like bad horror movies that are released in January. It's like we know you're not going to make money. You're being released in January at the end of our f- fiscal year, so we can you know recuperate something. Yeah, you're our tax write off. <laughs> okay, and now the the end of the um, news segment is going to be uh, a big chunk of Resident Evil news because right after the Silent Hill stream last week, they did a Resident Evil one to competes in the horror shooter market um first one resident evil villages that uh, winter's expansion is out um it's actually just out now so i don't want to spend too much time talking about this um they they added a third person mode and a couple of other things uh, and a massive expansion where you play as rose 16 years after the events of resident evil village um anyone touched that yet I've no, no. seen video. I've only seen like about like half hour, and because it came out like yesterday, I think sixteen um, years later. Good lord! Yeah, you know, everything. All the main characters are dead now at this point. <laughs> everything about the way that that <laughs> expansion is being set up weirds weird. me out. You yeah. got like you got like a sixty-year-old Chris punching a rock now. No, I think what it is just like I think it's just like okay, we're wrapping up the Winters family storyline, and then we're gonna move on to whoever next. We go back she's so weird 
because the main game ends with like the story of the father is over now is now it is the time of the daughter or you like something like that which yeah, you do right. need a time so, so it's like okay acceptable but wrapping okay. it up in an expansion is going to be weird yeah, yeah exactly it's, it's like that ending is like saying resident evil 9 will be about this character and then it's like actually we're just gonna do that in a dlc don't worry about it i think uh, like, i okay. think the resident evil remakes 2 and 3 came out between that and it's like, oh, wait, people love Leon. That's right. And we, we need to do more Leon <laughs> stuff before he gets too old. Yeah. And like, but the only thing I've seen so far is that Rose runs like she has lead in her boots. That's about all I've seen <laughs> of the DLC. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, it, it feels especially worse because you're in third person. So you see like that character animation model, like, Oh yeah. So sixteen um, teenage year old girl running and then not moving. So I, I haven't looked at it, at it. So it's like the is the third person like like does it feel does it feel like old Resident Evils like over the shoulder? It yeah, it's over the shoulder good? for the expansion. Okay. okay. Yeah, they completely it, reworked the game to make it work better in third person as well, so you can experience the game okay. fine. I might ac- I might actually play it now because the first person Resident Evils just was not doing it for me. Um, I think some of the cutscenes in Village will still be in first person, but I know the you cu- can play the, the entirety cu- of... Okay, so the cutscenes don't bother me in first person. It's just... No, the, the entirety game of the gameplay person. has yeah. been uh, tweaked a little, so that way if you do the third person mode, you'll just, you know, play in third person. Something, okay. something I also appreciate for the third person mode is that um, uh, Ethan will cons- constantly move his face out of the way if you try to point the camera towards it so you never actually see it. It was always it was always so weird to me that they were like really trying to avoid showing his face. Yeah, it's just like it's not like, like he's a character stand-in. He's married. I'm single. There's already a disconnect here, and I definitely don't want to be married to Mia. She's tried to kill me quite a few times already, and not in like a, a dominant way. More like you know, violent. I'm calling nine one one way. Yeah, the, uh, after the chainsaw, you'd kind of probably break it off. It, you've you've gone into I can't fix her. It, it's more like a, hey, I'm calling you from this, you know, Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, middle of nowhere, Louisiana swamp after three years of not hearing from you. And it's just like, I've played Silent Hill 2. No, thank you. Goodbye. This, my initial reaction is to go there alone. Okay, so mo- moving on to the next one real quick. Um, RE vs. the multiplayer game had its open beta happen on October 23 to 25th. I didn't see a single thing about this. Like, I don't know anyone that played this at all. No one streamed it didn't that I know, know that of. Yeah. I played the Guilty Gear Strive free weekend. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, this just fell under the radar. Yeah, Reverse. The entire time has felt like this weird thing nobody asked for, and they keep being like, "No, look, it's really cool, it's really awesome," and everybody, everybody is just like, "No, it's I'll not." I'll play Dead so, by Daylight if so instead, what, what, bro. Was it like, a, oh, is it Dead Dead by Daylight clone? Not really, but it's just like, it's like, oh, you have like the four survivors. We already, we already have. Guy, and it's like we have Friday the Thirteenth. We have Dead by Daylight. Nemesis is in Dead by Daylight, isn't he? Or some Resident Evil monster. I'm pretty sure they I think it's Nemesis. They, yeah. they, they already did a Resident Evil co-op game. Um, like, oh, yeah. Co-op. Resident Evil, what was that, Umbrella Corpse, I think? Is yeah. It? Oh, yeah, but that game was, like, awful. 
like yeah. unplayable. Yeah, Wait, but they had Re- like <laughs> they had a Re- mode with three, was it, or something as well? There was like a multiplayer mode where one person was like the evil mastermind. That that's reverse, I, wasn't it? I was that reverse? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that was reverse. It was another it thing. May have been something in reverse that they took mm. from the other Resident Evil. But yeah, I remember that too. It's just look, Capcom. I understand you're trying I to mean, do something with reverse. You're trying to do I, Dead by Daylight ish, but hey, Dead by Daylight has a visual novel, so I mean, you're already losing out. Yeah, no, I, I just don't know anyone that was into this at all. Honestly, yeah, it's, it's was, so weird that they're still trying to push was, it. Uh, Umbrella Corpse, and then there was also uh, Resident Raccoon Evil Operation City. Raccoon City. Yeah, that's Resistance. One. That's what it was called. Resident that, Evil Resistance. That yeah, that, that came yeah. in in Resident Evil 3's remake, and it was yeah. it was Dead by Daylight in Resident Evil. Yeah, Umbrella Corpse and uh, Operation Raccoon City were very much alike, and it was like four-player squad, and hmm. it was kind of shitty. Yeah, I've heard nothing but bad things about Operation Raccoon City. Yeah, yeah. it's I think, pretty pretty shit. I think me and a friend played it once for like half an hour. Um, I think we rented it, um, and we, we straight up just took it back and asked for a different game after playing it for like half an hour. I don't blame you. Speaking of dog shit, um, cloud gaming. <laughs> Everyone point and laugh because the Nintendo Switch is a aged console even when it came out and can't run anything that, that was another thing with bayonetta 3 real quick i want to add in bayonetta 3 is fighting for its life on the switch it's not running well at all which you want. yeah that was going to be something that i was gonna she ask was going to how how she run well um, yeah the the um the uh the resolution is like a weird 810p i think it was like it's a really weird number and it's never hitting 60 frames per second it's always chugging somewhere between 55 to 40 ish and in an action game you'd want a smooth frame rate yeah i am consistently impressed that developers managed to make some of the things run on that that they make run yeah i at this point i'm just like this needs to be somewhere else. Like, even Nintendo, please let it be on PC so it can live. It, it, they won't. They didn't do anything with any of their Wii U games, so why would they do anything for the Switch games? Yeah, somehow Platinum let the wonderful 101 get onto PlayStation and PC. Eventually, SMT5 will come out on PC, and it will be glorious, and people will finally get to play it and enjoy it, and it'll be good, but... Technically, it is, but, you know, we're not going <laughs> to talk about that one. <laughs> I mean, also, te- technically, I can make Bayo 3 run on PC better, but there's um there's some cutscene desync issues happening with that, so the, the first playthrough <laughs> is going to be on real hardware. Yeah. Uh, speaking of SMT5, complete side tangent. I remember the glorious uh, day I saw they modded it to make everyone's uh, ass really fat in SMT5. <laughs> that was probably the best mod I've seen that year. The the only mod I've seen is um making it uh, got Cleopatra was it the demon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make making her tan skin so she actually looks Egyptian. Joey's <laughs> designs real hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, uh, but. Remake 4, I am tepidly excited for Resident Evil 4 because I, Resident Evil 4, one of the 
goats. I love that game. But it's I am happy that, those whole time lists. Yeah, it's it I'm, was I'm I'm glad I'm glad that it's still kind of stupid. Yeah, no, it's one of those that games was, yeah, where, that was one of the things. Yeah, it's one of those games where they they needed to get it perfect otherwise it would it would just fail on every front for everyone and the tone was definitely one of those things they needed to get right and I'm glad to see that tonally it's even stupider than Resident Evil 4. You can block a chainsaw with a fucking knife. Going full yeah, Metal Gear Rising that, on this yeah, game. I, I love how stupid it is, but I hope that it's still like, you know, because Resident Evil 4 is like, oh, here's stupid, dumb, goofy stuff. And then get like really scary for some reason. And then go back to a little like two foot tall guy, you know, throwing a knife at you. It's like, okay, all right. Salazar's uh, appearance change is terrible. They did it, him so bad. It, it I think is, it, but I feel like that's just like, oh, we're doing PS5. Here's the graphics. It's just like, he kind of looked better in like old GameCube graphics. But yeah, I think so, there's so. going to be a reason why he looks like that. Like, it's probably got something to do with the the um, the plague in it, this game. But yeah, he, he's terrifying looking in this. And he's only supposed to be 20. <laughs> he looks like he's 50. I mean, he looked like he was 50 in the original GameCube. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big Cheese just got a hat. Uh, Salazar gave his big hat to Big Cheese. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, Salazar's change bothers me. I don't know, man. Yeah, the one change that does bother me is um because I I didn't see like all the trailers uh for the new Res Four, but I did see some of them, and it's just like is Ada dressed in just like this really awkward long red dress with the slit? I kind of need that. It just really fit her everything about Res Four. It's like oh, dirty, grimy village where everyone's trying to murder you, and it's just like, I'm dressed like I'm going to a a, a fancy event. All right, yeah, bye. At, at the moment, she's wearing a red turtleneck, but I think the um the red sure there be like an red alternate costume or something. You know there will be. Yeah, even if it's just an alternate costume, then sure, but I think there'll be a costume change, like, because yeah. Ashley's all the shots of Ashley at the moment show her with, like, this jacket on and everything, um, and I think we'll get, like, a more like she'll do her jacket and look like classic Ashley. Uh, it was pretty funny. Only on. look like, yeah. Go, go ahead. So it was pretty funny seeing Ada run around in just a traditional Chinese outfit with high heels and like, like a East, like, like a Bond literally villain. in Europe, like literally just, in Eastern Europe, just running around. <laughs> yeah. Just peak like written by a man female character. Oh, Resident <laughs> Evil 6 got the worst of that, by the way. <laughs> but, um, yeah. that, that was that's uh, probably another conversation yeah. for another time. Speaking of yep. Ashley, I cannot believe they hid her two biggest assets. Those monkey ears of hers. Those big, <laughs> baby, dumbo-looking ass. I, she, she's gonna brush her hair back and they'll be huge and you'll clap. Yes, that's what I want. <laughs> but, yeah, you're just waiting for that reveal. I need her ears to be massive. Her giant dumb ears. Just, I wonder if they're just gonna. I wonder if she's still gonna be able to be like stolen by the uh, lost Plagos and just you just hear her scre- still still screaming, "Help, Leon!" I love that. That's probably I, more. I, that's probably more annoying than Navi from Ocarina of Time. I feel like they have to at least like yeah. If even if they've changed it, because you know escort missions not beloved. So, like, if they change the game to be a little bit nicer, as far as that is concerned, they have to still include, like, a Leon help scream somewhere. 
It's always yeah. the, it's always the same fucking thing. It's the same. She screams the same one every single time. Like they didn't even give her multiple dialogue. It was just the same. Leon, help! <laughs> like, okay. It's like I'm working on it. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I hate her. <laughs> I I think she's fine. A little. There's annoying, a lot of times. Fine. There's a lot of times I just let her die. I was like, you know what? Just oh, just speaking die. of, all right. One little nitpick that I have about the new Res, uh, Resident Evil Four, which honestly, kind of made up nitpick, but I'll nitpick it regardless. Leon's not racist anymore. He might be. We, we don't no, know all the like, dialogue yet. If in the original Resident Evil Four for the you know old GameCube PS2, you know, it's like, oh, we're taking place in Spain, right? Do you know what kind of Spanish you're speaking? Mexican. They're they're using a com- the completely wrong dialect. To <laughs> be fair, and maybe you, that's just why Leon learned it. Like he learned Mexican Spanish, and then because <laughs> and, and if you remember, <laughs> that's the kind of guy he is. And if you first and and the first Resident Evil in the new one, he like oh he's investigating the house. He finds all the blood everywhere. He sees the secret plans to kidnap Ashley, and then the villagers attack him because he knows too much. And if you remember in the original game, he just walks into his house like, hey, show us a picture. You seen her? And if in Spanish, it translates like, who are you? Get out of my house. And then Leo <laughs> keeps asking him questions. And yeah. then he picks his ass to hit him. And then Leo just kills him. So yeah. it's like, no, Leon busts up in this house, starts speaking for legs. Like, what's going on? Kills him. Uh, and instead of hearing like <laughs> the normal Spanish dialect, he's so racist. It all just sounds Mexican to him. Yeah. Hmm. Resident Evil is a fun franchise. The, um, <laughs> typical super cop complex. There I wonder we go. if we're <laughs> going to keep the... Because uh, Resident Evil 4 was real big with uh, quick time events. Literally, the whole fight with Jack Krauser is a quick time event. They I wonder if keep, they're going to they keep it. Keep, they need to keep quick time events in there. They, have. they do, but it, it I is... want a Jack Krauser fight to actually use a new knife gameplay. I mean, I'm pretty sure his real boss fight is going to do that, but, like, I want the stupid quick time events for that laser corridor. Like, yeah. Resident Evil 4 remake well, has to have quick time events. I don't care if they're annoying and outdated and never were fun in any game. They needed to be in Resident Evil 4. They were fun in God of War. Yeah, the, the, the laser door is great, and I like I said, the Jack Krauser fight, literally that whole fight is a quick time event. It's like a five-minute quick time event, and I still love that fight to this day. It's one of my favorites. It's over the top. It almost reminds me of the uh, Leon versus, I can't remember what the dude's name is from the movie, where they're just shooting at each other and running around in circles, firing at each other and dodging. I think that was Chris, but yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Chris, yeah, it was Chris, yeah. Leon does some stupid shit, too. Like, he shoots a billboard. He's, he's John Wick in those movies. Yeah, like, like he shoots a billboard with a nine millimeter. It falls and kills two dogs, and you're like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I hope they keep the ridiculousness of the quick time events in this. Yeah, just just keep matching the shoulder buttons to make sure you don't die from a boulder. Speaking yeah. of, um, I didn't know this until recently. There's no. Because, you know, when you're mashing the quick time events and then you hit the button and, you know, to it's like, oh, tap A to run away from the bolt and then hit A, B to run away or hit tap A and then hit LR and you don't know which one's coming next. Resident Evil 4 doesn't read wrong inputs. It just reads whether or not you've uh, pressed, you know, D LR. Button. So if you're, ma- 
if you're if you're mashing A to run away to the boulder and you know the button to press the bunch of cards, if you just mash A and B and L and R, they'll go like, oh yeah, you're mashing A and B. That's wrong. But I mean, you mashed L and R, so we're going to give it to you anyway. That's, and that's how it is with every quick time event in Resident Evil 4. That's dumb, but it's I kind of like, love it. It's like a bad yeah, oversight. Yeah, it's just like, oh no, I accidentally hit the wrong button, and instead of giving you a failsafe for hitting the wrong buttons, you can just go ahead and hit the right button afterwards, and you'll still do it correctly. I actually like that. Stops you from having that, like, that twitch moment where it it says, like, quick press a button now not to die, and you're like, oh shit, and then you press the wrong one. The wrong one, yeah. yeah. And then, and then like, okay, go back 30 seconds, and then press the right button, and Son if it's like... Any of those ones where it's a random button, it just, yeah, that's what annoys me to no end. And to make it all cyclical again, we're going to wind this back to Bayonetta 1, because Bayonetta 1 had those, and that shit is awful. Yeah, it pressed square to not die, and you have one frame to press it. And it was in the middle of a boss fight, which made it even worse. At least they checkpoints of when the quick time event's going to happen, but then you you do the quick time event, and it's like, two seconds later, the chapter's over. And it's like, thanks, great. You, you just added a continue penalty to my overall score with that. Thanks, Camille. Yeah, um, wrapping that up, let's let's move on to the audience question to round out this episode. So, Stephen is doing a check-in on us just to make sure that everything's fine and dandy with the podcast while he's away. He asks, what two franchises should do a crossover similar to Sonic and Mario at the Olympic Games? Bonus point for what the game should be, etc. God of War and Halo in a boxing game, for example. Let me go last. I need to think about this. Which game would go with the game I'm thinking? Okay, does anyone have an idea right off the bat that you want to go with? Because I have one. Yeah, I do. Okay, yep. you go, Shinky. I did a little bit of thinking. Uh, Ace Attorney and Denkenrampa. Oh, I could, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would work That's well. natural. Yeah, Ace Attorney, Denkenrampa is obviously a criminal investigation trial-based thing. You know, they, 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 they have the same concept. Um, so I think they would be perfect together as a crossover. Yeah, and uh, Ace Attorney's already crossed oh. over with um at Professor Layton yeah, as well. Professor with... Layton, yeah, yeah. As long as they don't kill, as long as they don't kill Phoenix, we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Maya's just put up a trial because she's always put up a trial. <laughs> but Nick, I didn't do it. You said that the last three times. Yeah, one day she actually will be the one who did it. Um, keeping up with, like, the one thing I've been talking about all podcast, I'd go with Bayonetta and Dove May Cry, or just make the entire Kamiya universe that he does in artwork already. Like, um, Beautiful Joe has Alistair show up, like, the Demon Sword from Dove May Cry 1, um, connecting those two games together. Uh, there's I a mean, Dante's of- a little character. Yeah, Dante's also a playable character in that game. Like, that was added in the PS2 version, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, connections, like, very loose connections between Dove May Cry and Bayonetta already, and Beautiful Joe. So, um, just just go all in, let Kamiya make a game where he makes the entire Kamiya-verse real. Yeah. I would have... It would have been interesting to see, like, uh, Devil May Cry, uh, and um, Dante's Inferno connection would be good. You know, we know Dante's Inferno is based off a book. But yeah. It, it still would be, an, then it would be an interesting crossover between those two, trying mm. to connect them. Dante would have made a joke out of that game's Layers of Hell. 
Oh, it would have been endless jokes about Dante's Inferno. So did you have one yet, Kaiser? Or are you still thinking? Uh, no, I um, I actually was inspired a little bit by um, the album of the week for this one. Um, you might remember back in like 2009, I think it was, um, this little game um, starring Jack Black as the main character called oh, Brutal, Brutal Legend. Legend yeah. 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 Oh. Um, so I was um, just kind of, yeah, looking at some of my art books um, and uh, I thought, I, w- I would want to see a crossover between, like, that and Monster Hunter. Yeah, oh, that cool. would be very Cause, like, cool. Because I feel... Yeah, because I feel like Brutal Legend, like... A lot, a lot of people didn't like that Brutal Legend kind of started turning into a tactics game towards the end of it. And, like, I can see why, because it... Yeah. There was some weird stuff that happened with, like, that game's development. But it's still... I like that it had, just at a base level, the sort of controlling squads of, like your units like on the ground level and i feel like that'd be a really cool thing to be able to do in like a monster hunting game setting where you can be like calling in your dudes to ambush the monster at like this point and then you're coming up the back and then just because it's like brutal legend and it's set in this world that's just inspired by like heavy metal album covers like imagine the crazy sort of monsters that you'd be hunting yeah no that would be yeah. really cool It'd be interesting and Didi, any anything on your end? I think the first one that came to my mind uh, is would probably be it's um, Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, one of their, you know, just in general, combined with like GTA or something, or like a Saints Row type thing. I, I'd say more of a Saints Row type thing. Okay, you're going to have to explain this to me because I don't know anything about Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. So, how do, how do you Motor- connect that to car- Grand Theft Auto? Game, card games on motorcycles, bro. Oh, that one's 5Ds, right. I, I, that, I was... one's, that one's 5Ds. Yeah. What so was the like, okay. one I was thinking of? Um, it, it was the one that introduced Link Summoning. That's Brains. That's the one. Yeah, Brains. Uh, I'd say 5Ds because 5Ds because... Uh, you know how the original Yu-Gi-Oh was kind of like more of a dark, kind of serious type tone? Yeah. GX was, you know, four kids TV, essentially, in both sub and dub. Yeah. Um, 5D is like, okay, let's try and go back to season zero of Yu-Gi-Oh. And so I think that kind of makes with, because Car Games Motorcycles, it sounds really stupid. It kind of is really stupid. But that's why I feel like it kind of fit in a Saints Row type of game. And also, there are gangs and shit in 5Ds. Uh, it is weirdly violent at times, which I guess is, was kind of their intention of trying to evoke Season Zero. Uh, but yeah, just... Because it's just like, what game would only I play that no one else would buy that I would find interesting? Mix Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds? Mix it with Saints Row. Have, like, drive around the world? Beat the fuck out of people in... Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, because I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh addict, and take over their territory or something in uh, their whatever apocalyptic dystopian hellscape city they're in 5Ds, I forget what it's called. Yeah, and even like turning it back a little bit, like without the card games on motorcycles, you could have like a small map that's just Battle City tournaments. Yeah, yeah, because I mean in 5Ds, and it's like hey, you don't even have to like get on your motorcycle and card game them to death. You can just, you know, Beat the fuck out of somebody. Why not? They do that in the show. 
like they they murder people in the show and they just like blow shit up. It's like, all right, cool, whatever. Yeah, no, I I saw a video a while would back. They died. They good, but... the card game. Wait, what was that? I was just gonna say, would they like? Would they have to die if they lost the card game, though? Um, sure. Why not? They all they did in five Ds. Why don't you just do the uh, seal of Oricalcos and steal their soul? Uh, they do that too. They have uh, <laughs> the the Nazca lines are the bad guys in season one, and they suck up all the souls of all the innocent people to turn to these giant kaiju monsters and just start busting shit up. Like I remember one part was just like oh, that's kind of dark, even for five Ds. Is um uh, the the bad guys of the main bad guys are basically just a bunch of reanimated corpses who have who are just like really angry and don't want to die and so come back and one of Yusei the main character his friends he was actually he thinks Yusei turned him into secret police where he was tortured and killed and so his ghost came back as a vengeful spirit trying to kill Yusuke it's like you gave me to the SS I'm going to kill you now for doing that yeah Yu-Gi-Oh storylines are fucking crazy man I stopped after G I stopped after GX because I was like I don't know what the hell's happening anymore yeah it's it's stupid. I'm mainly just in it for the card game itself, but you know, sometimes it's it's goofy, it's fun. Like in when uh uh, uh so I, when he was talking about like reigns, you know, it's like, hey, it's like even though it tries to take itself seriously, it's still stupid on how it's still goofy. Like the main attack is like, Oh, the internet's bad, everybody, we need to destroy the internet and everyone was clowning on him until all the AI started revolting and tried to kill everybody. He's like, but at that point, he stopped being ugly. He went to being hot. And he's like, hey, everybody, the internet's trying to kill everybody. Except now he was hot. So now, of course, everyone wanted to agree with him. Uh, that's how it works in the real world, too, really. <laughs> it's, it really does. That's, that's the sad part. <laughs> it's a handsome Squidward effect. <laughs> yeah. I, I think with that we'll um we'll call it an end of the episode. Uh thanks thanks so much for joining in and filling in these three hot seats that needed to be filled in, guys. Well, I mean happy to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just hit me up if you ever need it again. Yeah. I, 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 I can in. run my I can talk all fucking day. <laughs> yeah, with how many times <laughs> we went on to Far Fancy Tangents, I, I can believe it. You would not believe the tangents. I was holding back on how many tangents I wanted to go <laughs> off. Oh, yeah. Now you and me both. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call it there. Uh, thanks so much for watching, everyone. Um, if you want to follow us on social medias, we have uh, on Twitter, Fast Travel Lounge, Missing One PLs, Facebook at Fast Travel Lounge. And if you want to send a question like Steven did, uh, send it to fasttravellounge at gmail.com. And yeah, with that, thanks for watching and thanks to the guests for joining again. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Later. Bye. Later. Bye. Later.